VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen, can't you see? I'm listening to RTP. And I'm gonna tell you why I think this part is fly They'll watch a movie show Talking smack about romance Then Mikey says something dumb Todd wears ten pairs of pants Paige, Mikey, and Todd Paige, Mikey, and Todd Oh, I love you, baby Romance in the pod Paige, Mikey, and Todd Paige, Mikey, and Todd Well, I need you, baby Romance in the pod Woo! I just want to point out that um, Mikey definitely has talked about us in therapy and not in a positive way after him saying that. Because Mikey did just say, I talked about you in therapy in a positive way. In a positive way. Are you guys recording this? Is that why you're making it like this? That's why I repiped it. I definitely hit record. Are you going to edit this into another part of the episode? Who knows? Who knows what I'm going to do? Todd works editing magic. That's how he made my Mochun ad so crazy. I'm just saying, when someone says, I talked about you in therapy in my past, it's not been a good thing for me. So I wanted to clarify that anxiety immediately for you two. I love how you resolved all my anxiety with that clear explanation uh, that I will now start to rethink as my anxiety gears back up to mm-hmm. be sure that you're lying to me for some <laughs> reason. Well, let's talk. I mean, have you ever dated someone? Yes, Mikey, I've dated somebody. Yeah. Yeah, a couple times. <laughs> you didn't you didn't let me finish the question. And I I know that's the joke, but I want to like really reiterate that I wanted to finish the question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Please go on. Have you ever been like dating someone for like 2 months? Yes, I've been dating someone for like 2 months. <sighs> Natalie and I have been have been together for like 5 years, bro. And then they say, <laughs> "I talked about you in therapy today." And you're like, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I got to pause this show now, huh? Is that what's happening? <laughs> and she's like, physical therapy. They were asking why my knees were so sore. I would love physical therapy doing that. <laughs> Paige, him saying that made it sound like his knees needed physical therapy from sucking. Yeah, it did. Right? No. That is exactly what that sounded like. Yeah. Not what it sounded like. It is what it sounded like. Bro. There are two guys on our podcast, and if, and if one of them came out, they would not assume it's me. <laughs> that is such a good example about misunderstanding what I'm talking about. Uh, should I just start? Yes. Yeah, I love sucking dicks. Sucking dicks is what I love the most. Great. Cut that. Clip it. <laughs> I, I, now I have that audio forever, Mikey. Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Pod. You had us at hello. I'm <laughs> no, Paige Wesley. Have to keep it. Uh, uh, uh. I'm not going to introduce myself into this energy. <laughs> I, I, you can introduce me if this is the energy that we're having. <laughs> and I'm Mikey Randolph. <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. I like. <laughs> you made me sound like fucking Grover on on like crack or something. Well, you know what? I don't know what Grover does. In his free time I just know that Mikey is here on this podcast And that's why I introduced him In his completely normal voice Todd <laughs> And I'm Todd Schlosser And this week mm. I made you guys watch 
Fools rush in. Todd, why did you pick this episode other than the fact that the other movie that you tried to pick was not streaming currently at this time, which is a mistake we keep making, even though this is really what we're supposed to know what we're supposed to do the most. Yeah. Let me see if I can answer your harshly worded question. Um, yeah, so I was going to have Late everyone night do... energy right out the gate. I love it. It's very adversarial on this uh, this, uh, this episode. Um, I was initially going to pick French Kiss. French Kiss. Which I believe is Kevin Klein, Meg Ryan, right? I think so. Which I also, like, so I have a similar story with that movie that I have with this movie. And it is, I saw it as a kid and remember it being sort of like weird and bonkers and I didn't fully quite understand what was happening. But like the house was weird colors. Great. As a child would perceive bonkers. And then, yeah. And then I just didn't think about it again until like. We started doing this podcast and people were like, oh, you have to watch Fools Rush In. Fools and, Rush In. And also I've been getting that same thing for French Kiss. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to do them. But yeah, French Kiss is not available, unfortunately. So we had to pivot to Fools Rush In, which honestly, mm-hmm. I'm glad we did because uh, does it hold up? No. Is it fun to watch? Kind of. Um, I think it holds up. Better than most romantic comedies we watch. It feels aggressively 90s, which maybe isn't as, like, toxic male-y as the 80s were, but it still was pretty terrible like it does get very racist at yes, points yes exactly <laughs> yeah i will say this is like la llorona right because she is the prettiest woman in all of central mexico who can't swim that's why she has the inner tube look i know Paige. it starts with that this is what i want for my life is this film i want to go out to a bar have the worst swimmer in all of mexico but the prettiest woman. But the prettiest woman. <laughs> seduce me and get herself pregnant, and then she's awesome. Get herself pregnant. <laughs> yeah, you don't even have to be there. Holy You're like, just shit. do it on your own time and report back. This is more of a remote uh-huh. position, but we are open to hybrid. Paige, when she's on top the whole time, I think that's fair to say, honestly. That counts, that counts, that counts, that counts. <laughs> and if it's the implication being I wouldn't need how do I get this out without sounding terrible? She's going to make better quesadillas than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, newsflash, you didn't achieve your understated goal. Um, <laughs> you deserve no quesadillas. <laughs> I believe we impose a quesadilla embargo on Mikey right now. I'm imposing sanctions. Taco Bell, Del Taco. We need corporations involved in this quesadilla boycott. Get Chewies involved too, Todd. I'm going to need you to make out in front of the Chewies for at least a week to keep Mikey away. I will. I have nothing else to do, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to commit to the bit, Todd. Um, But I'll say this. Yes, Paige. There are some very racist elements to this. Yep. But it is a weird, funny, very 90s movie. I I think even within the movie, they also criticize the racism. So I feel like we can talk about it. They're positioned as bad people, yes. Yeah, it didn't feel as dirty watching it as we have revisited some of the other films and they're like really awful racism, like long- Dong Duck from those movies. We have not done Sixteen Candles, but Sixteen Candles is aggressively racist. That, yes, that's the that's the one that came off the top of my head. We haven't done it. I'm sorry. Is like, that his name in the movie? Long Duck Dong. Long Duck Dong is the character's name in the film, and it is played as a joke the entire time. No, that that movie is aggressively racist. 
but yeah. also 80s. I do, I do and, think like, and it has a rape in it. Yes, like also 80s. Like that is very yeah. 80s to me. Like I feel like you in heard the 90s, it here. Todd hates the fact that it's in the 80s more than the racism and raping. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that those things are definitely more 80s, and as time goes by, yes, you see less and less of that kind of shit in film. You yeah. Know? No. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully. I think they tried to do the like the guess who's coming to dinner kind of comedy with this. Mm -hmm. And I feel like some of the jokes land with that of like the class of cultures, but some do not. Right. I will say that the Chewy Skywalker joke had me howling at my own house. And <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I'm a bad person for laughing at this. When I heard that joke happen, I was like, Mikey loved this. Oh yeah. <laughs> I knew two minutes into this movie that Mikey would love it because I had seen it before and I generally knew the premise of him low effort knocking up a lady. Uh -huh. Yeah. And then watching it now, I was like, holy shit, this movie pretty much just starts off like the Christmas party at Nakatomi Plaza. So I was like, there's no way Mikey's not going to love this movie. Yeah. If you could shoehorn a Christmas party into every film, it works for me. <laughs> and I don't know why he had that fish, but the amount of jokes we made because of it, good for that fish. It's because he was coming back from opening a club in Miami. He works for a company that exclusively builds clubs. <laughs> yes, but why would you bring a fish back all the way from Miami? It was like a Ruby Tuesdays type club where it just had shit on the walls. And he took a marlin with him. I don't know, Mikey. Did he fly with it? No, I think he... <laughs> Probably, yeah. He caught and preserved that marlin to demonstrate his manhood to his future wife and child. I like that it's idea. It's late. I'm in a crazy mood. I still have a bonk on my head. No, I like the energy that's going on right here. We've all been working very, very hard uh, and not sleeping a lot. I think Mikey's been sleeping fine and working a regular amount. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's just the PTSD that gets me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah. just yeah. the night terrors for Mikey. <laughs> yeah. This is the flip side. Normally, Mikey's job is the dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. recently, Todd and I's job has been the dumpster fire. And I just like sit back and I'm like, oh, that's so hard for y'all. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I feel guilty. I'm sorry. Mikey, I would definitely not want to switch places with you. I could not do your job. You could definitely do my job for three months until they fired your ass for not knowing what the fuck you were doing. But I thought not knowing how to do your job, doing it for three months and getting fired was just like the template for being in marketing. <laughs> that does seem to be the case at my company. So, okay, <laughs> let's talk about the elephant in the room. All right. There are a lot of people who call themselves marketers who do bounce around companies. It's not three months because listen. You can yeah. BS anything for like three or four months, you know? That's why I think I could be amazing at marketing. Well, you would be amazing at marketing, but that's because of your comedy background. But they, they wash out after like nine months. And if you see people jumping around, they don't know what the fuck they're doing for sure. Yeah. But that goes for like any industry, honestly. Unless you're like a surgeon and then they'll like keep you around because they don't want the general populace around your hospital in Texas to find out that you were literally paralyzing and killing people in the podcast and show Dr. Death. So whatever, it's fine. But I will say I liked watching this movie. It's very, no! it's very low stakes. Which I'm here for Like it is It was kind of fun Yeah And I like that It sets it up Like they shouldn't be together They shouldn't be together And then they arguably Make a very bad decision To decide to be together But they like Both make me feel like They really want it at the end Do I think it's gonna work? Absolutely not 
But it might. Who knows? God damn it. I love that they're going to try. You know what I'm saying? I didn't hate their relationship. And I think it was. Yeah. There is kind of like a fantastical element to the thing. Like the thing falling on the car. Fate. Like, I like the. Yes. Some of that. Some of that stuff. But I, I think it fairly did a really good. Like what would happen if you did jump in with someone and like you don't live here permanently like that whole dinner scene fantastic because they have good chemistry they which do. is kind of crazy yeah i think selma hayek could have good chemistry with anybody though well, yeah she is the perfect person yes there is the magical realism i don't hate them together either i think they've got some fun chemistry yeah i think they play up aspects of that like anytime you have a movie where people are forced together by pregnancy the movie will always play up the idiosyncrasies of each side yes. a lot yeah. to try and make it more and more conflict. I personally, I liked this better than Knocked Up. Knocked Up kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes. Okay. Um, I feel like sometimes they treat her really shitty in that movie and I don't love it. I know I've seen Knocked Up. I really don't remember it. So like I haven't seen it probably in like eight years. I saw it when it came out. I can't remember seeing it since then, honestly. I saw it when it came out and I remember not loving it then and then re-watching it later and not it did not grow on me. <laughs> I was like, oh, I still don't super like this one. Uh this I kind of preferred a little bit more. I will say. You could cut easily almost 30 minutes out of this movie. There's a whole chunk in the middle that could go. What section? I think you'd have to space it out. Yeah, okay. There are some unneeded scenes. Yes, that that's more of what it is. Is like We do like six or seven different things to mess with him, with her family. Yeah. And we could have done three and kind of gotten to the same place. I like the desert snake scene. I know it's that's not necessary. That's not the one I would cut. Oh. <laughs> That one's fun and it's short. One of my favorite jokes is in that scene, actually. Yes. Where he is like talking to them about how I get why you guys like it out here, man. It's beautiful. You're just like free and it's like open and then it like cuts to a wide shot and you see him just pee. Like he is currently peeing. Peeing on it. He's yes. talking about how much they love it and it's so funny. It is very funny. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's one of those things where I just think it, it would be kind of all over that you could just kind of tighten it up. And I think you would still end up cutting almost 30 minutes from it, but it would be a tighter movie. Overall, I like it. It just does drag a bit in the center. But in general, it's pretty fun. I think it's better than most of the movies we've done for this podcast. Ooh, I don't know, I don't if know about that. It depends on what you define as better. Like, I think this is going to be yeah. more fun to talk about than like a, and we haven't done this, but like a sense and sensibility kind of movie that yeah. I will say is way better than this movie, you know? But Oh, God, no. I hate sitting through that shit. You, of course, would be like, I love sense and, you know, pride and prejudice. When he walks all the way to her, oh. And we're questioning... <laughs> Mikey, no one's questioning which one of us would, all right? Yeah, it would yeah. definitely be me. It's the guy who knows <laughs> all of the the songs to most musical theater and doesn't give a shit about football. Yeah, it's that guy. I hope you find your Mr. Darcy, man. I go go for it. A guy who insults you for being poor? He has found him. It's you. <laughs> the thing is, when I watch those movies, I want to be Mr. Darcy. Like, I want to be that he guy. He wants to insult people for being poor. <laughs> your hoodie looks so stupid and, and, like, old and, like... But that's why you should marry me, because you're so stubborn and you like to wear your shitty hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> I do... Like, I agree with your criticisms <laughs> about, honestly, most of Jane Austen's work. 
<laughs> it's supposed to be satire, and no one understands. <laughs> I'm going to meet me my nice housekeeper, show her my locked up schizophrenic wife that I've locked up in the attic forever, and just be like, hey, that's we can Jane kill her. That's not Jane Austen. Oh, that's... <laughs> Mikey doesn't know that difference. <laughs> Who cares? It's all dumb. <laughs> my, my English teacher mother is going to care, and the next time you see her, she'll be like, Michael. <laughs> Jane Eyre's the worst, man. <laughs> okay. We don't have to watch that one. But when, when uh, the dude from Secession walks across the field in the morning, I love that. I cry every time. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Which technically that's Pride and Prejudice for the record. You guys switched it to Mr. Darcy, but yeah. Sins and Sins. Did we do Sins and Sensibility? No, I we, did we did Emma. We did Emma. Which I again apologize for. Succession has <laughs> ruined that Pride and Prejudice for me. <laughs> I can never, like, now I just, I'm like, it's Wamsgans. Like, I don't, he's a snake. I, you can't. <laughs> that dude is a chameleon. He's so he's good a great at actor. everything. He, like, disappears into every role. He was a great Mr. Darcy. Loved him. He thought I was amazing. Which Pride and Prejudice do you like, Todd? Do you like the the Kira Knightley Kira one? Kira Knightley one, because that's that's, that's the my guy we're talking one. about. Yeah. Because I've been forced to watch, preferred, I've been made to watch all of them. Oh, the long one with Colin Firth? Yeah. They're every girl I've ever dated's favorite movie. It's like it's like date, dating in the multiverse. Hey, Mikey. Mikey. <laughs> dating's not working out for you, and yet every girl's favorite movie... Every girl that you date's favorite movie. I feel like this is you're picking a certain type of person that is incompatible with you and your lifestyle, as I've been telling you for months. Well, just call me Mr. Darcy. <laughs> no, he, he does the opposite of the story. That, God damn it. <laughs> Everybody DM Mikey and call him Mr. Darcy. No. Mr. Darcy was my father. <laughs> I'm Mikey Darcy. If Mr. Darcy was a Mario character, which Mario character would he be? Oh, I feel like he's got uh, not quite Bowser, but maybe like Waluigi energy. I can see Waluigi energy. Yeah. Like, wow, you're poor. How <laughs> <laughs> do you think? Uh, I think she's absolutely right. <laughs> dude, Mr. Darcy was a rich douche. I mean, like everyone in Pride and Prejudice is very well off. I'm going to pull one out of like like the extended universe here. I'm going to say Cranky Cranky Kong because <laughs> he's also rich and he has a cane and he gives that energy. Ooh, I'm I'm going to say that my my fa my favorite Mr. Darcy is Anthony Bridgerton. <laughs> Did you? Oh, none of you watched the second season. Cool. <laughs> Fuck y'all. No. Well, oh, was it was it blind spotting? Bridgerton. Oh, sorry. I don't know any of their names. There's naked one, and then the other guy, <laughs> <laughs> and the queen. Bridgerton was like six years ago. Like, are we still doing that? No, it's like there was a new <laughs> season this year. I need you to know that I just sent an email out at work about not watching pornographic activities. I mean, you at told work. us about this on the podcast. What? Oh, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because someone was yeah, yeah, watching yeah. Bridgerton. It was yeah. all Bridgerton. Well, I mean, there are parts that are quite pornographic. Good. I love using the Bridgerton breakup because I'll just be like, girl, I can't put my seed in you because I don't want the legacy of my father to continue, so I have to end this. Oh, you mean the reason you can't commit? This feels counterintuitive to your own interests, yeah. What'd you say? I'm sorry, I don't hear you. <laughs> That'd be $125, please. I take Venmo. <laughs> You'll take one. No, don't say that. No. Don't say that, Mikey. No. <laughs> Next topic. Don't let them know the real you. The real me. I just said I'm Mr. Darcy. What more do they want? You're not. That makes no sense. I'm Mr. Darcy plus Scrooge plus uh 
plus Wario plus Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> you definitely uh-huh. got some Wario in you. It's you're Wario and Wreck-It Ralph. That's you. Yeah, that's you to a T. Yeah, I can't deny that. I feel like I'm part Liz Lemon, and then the sassy, like I'm Liz Lemon and Fat Amy from Pitch Perfect. All right, All but right. like characters, not people. Todd, uh, which one of the little women do you think you're most like? <laughs> <laughs> you know, for the defending of Jane Austen that I just did. I've never read one of her books. I've only watched the movies. That's not oh, even no, that's, um, Louisa May Alcott. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. That's no, I know, but Jane I was Austin. just defending Jane Austen as my point. Like I don't I don't read any of that shit. I don't like it either. Is it Joe? Actually it's Lori. <laughs> Who's Joe? <laughs> Have you not seen Little Women? No. I mean, I've seen it, but like... You would actually love it. Greta Gerwin did a did a version of it. Pretty good. Oh, the lady who did Barbie. Yes, the mm-hmm. lady yeah. who did Barbie. I bet it's great. It got roasted for the costumes online, which is kind of fun. <laughs> and then the original version has Christian Bale, like a fresh off of Newsies mm-hmm. Christian Bale. Just picture him being like, Santa Fe, are you there? Do you swear you won't forget me? That's not a rom-com. We can't watch it. Um, I think America falls in love with unions during that movie, Paige. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying it's a different category. I, I fucking love Newsies. It literally is a kid's movie that Disney made that is like hyper pro union. It's like super yes. fuck the man. And it's yes. a musical for kids. Yes. Oh, well, thank God the common man who loves musicals will be able to get that message. <laughs> the blue collar working man is going to really resonate with that. Pull it to horse. They think we're nothing. Are we nothing? No. <laughs> anyway, Selma Hayek's like super hot. She's beautiful. <laughs> she really is. She's the most beautiful woman in Mexico who cannot swim. I will say I, she might be one of the most beautiful people who's ever existed. Like I, when I think Cleopatra or whatever, I like picture Selma Hayek. If I think a Greek goddess of love, uh, Aphrodite, I think Selma Hayek. If I think some sort of pedestal, putting a woman on a pedestal, I think Selma Hayek. I respect that. I like, honest, she's <laughs> gorgeous. Shame you didn't have a third example that wasn't Greek, but that's fine. <laughs> that's true, because Cleopatra was a Ptolemy. Oh, bringing the history in. When I think Queen Elizabeth the first, I think Selma Hayek. I would kill to watch that. Yeah, Mikey, I fully get why Quentin Tarantino wrote a whole damn movie to get her to put her foot in his mouth. We get a foot shot of her in this movie. And again, I was like, damn, she got great feet. Like, I don't, I'm not even into feet. But she got great feet. I'm not going to lie to y'all. If I was in a movie and I was writing it too, and she was in it... Yeah, I'd write something. Maybe not Mike, about feet, but Mike, like something's Mikey, happening. Mikey, I hate this for you. No. Not only that you would have said it, but that you thought you should say it. I'd be like, <laughs> no. pan, uh, camera pans down. Selma Hayek holds my hand. <laughs> Mikey, I like that you start, started the sentence with, if I was writing a movie and if I was in it, and if she was in it, I would write her to be in it. And I'm like, <laughs> you're writing the movie. <laughs> you're writing whoever is in it. Like, I mean, obviously casting is going to do their thing. But the fact that you're like, I, I guess if I have to write a movie, I'll write something in about Soma Hayek. Paige, I think Mikey thinks he just invented fan fiction. 
<laughs> oh my god, Mikey. Mikey, I will read your Salma Hayek fan fiction and correct the spelling. Okay. That's the new Patreonicals. She picks me up at a bar. She's pregnant now. <laughs> She's already pregnant. Somehow it's mine. <laughs> it's just one big sperm. It travels into her. Okay. Now I'm I'm gone. I'm out. (laughs) Why did we transition to the POV of the impregnating sperm? That's a weird transition. It's like interspace. You follow the sperm into the egg. Are we just gonna like interspace the sperm into the pregnancy? Is that what it's gonna be? Yeah. You're gonna go. You're gonna go to my face. Go. Ooh. And then you go to the interspace shot. (laughs) Maybe we should just go through the movie scene by scene. Have we already started? I can't remember. We have not started yet. Well, let's please start. We're 40 minutes in or something. Yeah. So <laughs> it's Christmas I loved in it. New York. I love that it was Christmas. I love that we were like going to a high rise in New York to have a Christmas yep. party. Although he is like a stick in the mud for sure because he just like wants to work and be successful and that's all he's focused on it's very nakatomi plaza vibes well we don't know what date if this is like a december 16th christmas party i could get it you know i mean that is fair Mm -hmm. yeah he is practicing his japanese in anticipation of a promotion to japan and he's coming back from miami that's why he's got a giant fake marlin uh and so he's like walking through like the elevators and everything and he's like domo arigato with like a giant marlin (laughs) it's a wild visual it is insane yes And it seems like his job is super weird. Like he goes to a place for like four months, literally builds a club. Is he an architect? No. I think he's like a project manager. He's a project manager. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So like he implements the plans the architect sent him, right? That's like his job or whatever. It's not just that. So this is, I actually went to a wedding in Vegas. Oh, you went to their wedding page? (laughs) No, but there there was no Elvis at the Vegas wedding I went to. It was such a bummer. Uh, But it was my friend's boss. Uh, And she married a guy who does this for restaurants. But essentially, he would go to whatever he would like be part of the location scouting. Then he's there to oversee construction. But then he's also there to oversee the chefs doing menus to pick out all the plates, like all of that stuff. But it is basically a project manager. Yeah. But if you look at that club at the end, you can tell he is so bad at his job because that club (laughs) looks like it's fucking The club looks terrible. It looks awful. Awful, but whatever. That's his job. It's very 90s, though. It seems like he just goes from project to project, right? So, like, they were just vying over what project they want to do next. And the fact that they're like, oh, he's going to get the big Midtown job. And I was like, Midtown Manhattan. Yeah, he'll have that job for four months and they get shipped to like Sheboygan or some shit for four months. I think the implication is that the flagship would be Midtown Manhattan, right? That'd be the biggest club you would make. And so from there, you could do wherever where maybe you don't have to then move every four months. Then that's your calling card to be like, I did this. So now I manage the people who go places for four months. Oh, I wish that had been more clear because I was like, why does he want to go back to New? Why is that a big deal? Let's mentally reframe this job and pretend instead of clubs, that company just goes around and builds Fuddruckers. And so like Tokyo would be the first Fuddruckers in Japan or Asia. And that was like a big deal. But instead, he has to go build the freaking stupid tourist Vegas Fuddruckers. And that's why he has a giant fish. Well, okay. So first of all, we haven't gotten to it yet, but there is a conversation, a scene from now that literally lays this out. <laughs> like the the career plan and why. I love that Mikey talked gibberish for a full 30 seconds and Paige just like, 
didn't acknowledge it and just powered through that made my well night. here's the thing mikey's not wrong except because it's nightclubs building a nightclub in vegas and a successful one is kind of a huge deal you got a lot of competition sure yeah and it this does look like the fud ruckers of clubs though it does they're like we build the best karaoke clubs in all the world <laughs> <laughs> that actually would be successful in japan and it would be we've got one of those here in town and mikey we had fun yeah. Until the power went out. Did I ever tell you guys about the craziest thing my dad ever did in a Fuddruckers? I feel like that's a weird thing to have a list for. Like, what? What's the third thing on that list? Like, why is <laughs> he there shit many on things? a hamburger? <laughs> yeah, and that's the third craziest thing he's done in a, in a it, it, was, it was Dad absolutely trying to teach teenage my sister and I a lesson oh. uh, about self-esteem. And having fun. I love fatherly hubris. Please tell me everything about this story. So my, <laughs> my dad, we like ordered at Fuddruckers. We went to go sit down to like wait for them to call our number. And my dad was like, okay, all of us, when they call our number, we got to stand up at the table and scream, winner, we won. Like we won the lottery. <laughs> and my sister and I were like, no, like what, what are you doing? And he literally peer pressured us into doing it. He was just like, <laughs> we're all going to do it. Do you want to be the one left? Out? We're all doing, we're doing it, right? Instigator. So we call our number. We do it to a completely silent restaurant who of then course. looks at us like we're crazy. Because you are. Yes. <laughs> We get our food, we sit back down, and my sister and I are, like, mortified. We're just like, everyone's looking at us. And he's like, yeah, they're wishing they were having as much fun as us. And that was it. (laughs) And he was like, that's the lesson. You're always having more fun than people, and they just wish they could have that much fun. And we were like, I don't know if that's true. Anyway, that's what I think of when I think of Fuddruckers. I'll say this. I think he's wrong, but (laughs) I fucking love that right that is so fun like that i wish that yeah yeah this is why i have applied for siblingship yeah i I mean you know in the wesley family we've got a lot of bureaucracy i'm sorry it's taken so long (laughs) but these approvals can just take months at a time yeah it seems like one person got approved unfortunately there's an essay exam about jane austen if you'll remember (laughs) mikey got in because he was also sag eligible right son of a bitch because he was in that (laughs) movie all right listen anybody out there i'm picking that movie for chris well i may pick a nicholas cage movie anybody (laughs) out there who has access to a production that is at least santa boot camp or better i will come be in your movie for free todd they're on strike bro I know they're not going to be on strike forever. He's Todd's a scab. You heard it here first. Todd is a scab. I stand with my brother and and sister and thank you. Thank you, Mikey, for your support. <laughs> You're welcome. Anyway, back to this movie. So we cut from his weird Nakatomi Plaza office. I watched Newsies. <laughs> Did you? No. If Mikey watched Newsies, he'd be like, I like this Hearst dude. He doesn't sing very much. And he's got the right <laughs> he doesn't ideas. He does not sing very much. But these poor kids probably smell. I was like, so if we hire a group of underage adults to do work, we could collectively pay them a little bit better than we would. But like, they're still kids. They're not going to make that much money. I thought you just called them underage adults. That's how you reframe child labor and make (laughs) it seem nice. (laughs) It's like clean coal. Let's move on, please. Jesus. We can't have another four hour recording. Yes. Anyway. Clean coal. You mean like underage chimney sweeps? We've done it before. (laughs) Anyway, we cut to Mexico. 
We're the most beautiful woman in Mexico. I think it's Nevada. It's Mexico. It's central Mexico. It says it, it literally on the screen. says it on the screen. Yeah. I'm not going to read a movie. <laughs> Who wrote this movie, Jane Austen? <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> anyway, central Mexico. The most beautiful woman in Mexico. She's in an inner tube because, as we know from La Llorona, she can't swim. Yeah. Incapable. This is the hottest inner tube sequence ever put to film. I don't think there's that many in competition, <laughs> to be honest. I know. I was like, that can't be true. But also, I don't know of a hotter one. <laughs> but this isn't, like, especially hot. It's kind of nice when she gets out of the inner tube. I mean, it's pretty hot. Anyway, so... She stole the inner tube from these boys. She gives it back to them. And one of them is just like, I'm going to marry you. And she's like, what? You just marry somebody you just met? Because foreshadowing. And he's like, I'm going to come find you in Las Vegas. And I'm like, watch that kid. <laughs> yeah, that guy's that guy's a real fucking creep. Like, what? You're like 12, kid. And you're like threatening to come find her. Keep an eye on that little fucking creepy kid. Um, I was 12 when this movie came out. I, I'm more power to you, kid. Anyway. They're like, you going to marry that policeman? And like, maybe she should have to protect her from that kid. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He seemed like he had anger issues. Anyway, so she's like, are you going to marry that policeman? She's like, oh, I wish I knew. Anyway, bye. We cut back to New York's version of Nakatomi Plaza at this Christmas party. And he finds out from their legal guy. And I think that's why he ends up in Vegas with him is he's the legal rep for that project. Oh, like his quote dirtbag friend like that guy yes he's not extremely dirtbaggy or anything but like that's the way he sort of painted in the movie yeah he's a finance bro anyway so <laughs> yeah kind of he pulls him into a closet he's like yo they're gonna send you to vegas they're sending the other guy to tokyo and he's like why would i do that and he's like because vegas is a cakewalk and we'll finish it and come home and take the midtown club and that other guy will still be working in tokyo because it's gonna take longer so let's do it like agree to vegas like you know don't fight it yeah and of course, somebody opens the closet door and they look like they're embracing and they're like, we're just, you know, it's a tough time. But they tell him he's going to Vegas. We cut to the border between Arizona and Nevada, where Salma Hayek is driving across Hoover Dam. She throws a coin out the window right as she crosses the state line. I don't think she made it over the dam. Oh, you don't think she threw it? Yeah, because she throws it like back over her head. And yeah. I was like, the wall, the closest wall is to your left. If you watch the dailies of that shot where you can see like the whole run of that scene, uh, you actually see it hit the car behind That's them. That's what I wanted. Like <laughs> I wanted it to hit and shatter the windshield of the car behind them. It would be so funny if that's what happened. Yeah. And just in the back. That's what I wanted. Yeah, that would be hilarious. Anyway, we cut to he's in Vegas and he's going to a Mexican restaurant and trying all their stuff because he's trying to steal their chef. Yeah. And they're telling him, they're like, you can't steal this guy because like it's a family business. You won't be able to. And he's like, well, I got to try. So he goes to get in his car and his car is too hot because of the desert. He's like, it's January for Christ's sakes. And I do have to say, I was in Vegas at the end of January, early February last year. I'll be there at the same time this year. It was cold as shit. It was so fucking cold. <laughs> anyway, it snowed the very next week after we left. Out there is is, is crazy because I was in Phoenix and we were like, it was like 108 degrees in Phoenix. We're like, the Grand Canyon's like an, an hour north. Let's go up there. And we're like, yeah. And we like yeah. go up there dressed in our Phoenix weather. Mm -hmm. And then like 
It was 45 degrees in yeah. the Grand Canyon. I was like, oh, my God. The Grand Canyon is right. It's it's only a little ways away from Flagstaff. And one time I did a comedy festival in Flagstaff. So I was there for a week. Flagstaff is a fucking ski town. Yeah. Like a ski town in Arizona. And it snows all the time there, apparently. Mikey, what you just described is exactly why people should wear layers. <laughs> So I thank you for giving us a good you example can't. of a time you should have worn layers and should have learned your lesson. You can't put on layers. Like, why is more layers in Phoenix going to help me? Not when you're in Phoenix, but you just, you know, when you're getting into the car, grab a hoodie, baby. So you if, know? Okay. In 108 degree weather, you're going to wear three layers in case you get in a car and you go an hour and it's 45 degrees. No, he's just going to have three layers easily accessible. Yeah. I'm going to have a backpack or I'm going to have a satchel or a dog that I put the outfits on until I need them. I always have a pocket hoodie. That's some Mr. Darcy bullshit that I don't <laughs> want no part of. Listen, sometimes you got to walk across a big ass field at dawn to prove a point. And you want to do that comfortably. If Wams Gans can do it, so can you. I don't know, man. He's a great actor and he's super tall. Is he really that tall? <laughs> I think he's like 6'5". Is Shiv that tall? Hold on. No, cousin Greg is tall. That's why they. That's one of the reasons they cast him because they wanted someone taller than him. He's six foot three. So he's six three. Maybe it's um the other guy who's six five. Yeah, cousin Greg is six seven. Six seven. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How tall is Matthew Perry? Probably not that tall. Six feet. Matthew Perry was perfectly timed to be a romantic lead just because I think like late 90s was the only time this kind of guy could have been a romantic lead. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What do you what do you mean this kind of guy? I mean like not really built, not really like gym buff, sort of a nerd with sort of charming vibes. I'm going to call your Matthew Perry and I'm going to raise you Adam Sandler. Wait, those two people walk in very different lanes in my mind. Because Adam Sandler is a content creator and he puts himself in the romantic leads. And that's why Seth Rogen was a romantic lead in some movies. Because they made those damn movies. But Ma Matthew Perry's not like that. He's an actor. But Friends was very big right now. It was. It was so big. Yeah. And he was probably one of the breakout stars in it early on. I think Matthew Perry's career had potential. Well, there was a huge coke problem in the middle. Yes, of it. I think I think substance abuse kind of took him down. Yes, I think he's on his game in this one. But like, I I could see him be. He could have transitioned to like a Paul Rudd like person. I think so too. Yeah. Well, and it, it's a few things where. There were some substance abuse issues, but also as a part of that, I think he got a reputation for being difficult to work with Yeah, because of the substances. And I think that became a bit of a problem. Yeah. Here's the thing. I know people shit on Friends. I get it. Friends has not aged well. At the time, it was revolutionary, but like it has not aged well. It is a weirdly comforting show for me sometimes. It's the perfect second screen because I have seen all of them. And so I can walk in and out of the room and not care about what happens. Yeah. But yeah, it's I would have been here for him to be a romantic lead at the time. And I think, unfortunately, cocaine derailed that. Well, there you go. I heard that his biography that he wrote was wild, but I didn't read it. <laughs> anyway, Chandler's my favorite friend. Listen, my only problem with his biography is it was like, Way too much about him. Like we it did was it. All about him. Like why did you? <laughs> why did you write this book weird. just about you? <laughs> she hates Kane Hodder. I love it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people who are it. listening to this may not understand that. But there was a fun fact where Paige was talking about Kane Hodder's autobiography, and she was like, "It's like way too much about him, though." Well, he just he seems to insert himself in stories a lot because he's very excited. It is hard to know 
if it's like if his version's real or if not <laughs> it's too much about him i don't know it was the way you said it i understood what you meant in the moment yes. but you said it like you had never <laughs> heard the word autobiography and did not know what it meant welcome to my autobiography read by me chapter one <laughs> why you should watch blood diner right now honestly if you wrote a book where the chapter titles were just like random shit you've said like when we were doing the fucking saw two episode and you were like mary fuck kill every member of the cast and we were like what like that would be one of the funniest books i've ever read i'm sure i'm trying out new segments <laughs> <laughs> hated that one did not like that mary fuck kill Selma hayek matthew perry the other guy and the fish which other guy the fish make it the fish okay i think i'm gonna marry salma hayek for sure you marry salma hayek yeah uh-huh i'm straight and i marry salma hayek yeah, i marry salma hayek 100 with you i would kill that fish well the fish is already the fish is dead. dead in fact the fish was never alive you'll find I'm like, I'm gonna go controversial statement because I don't want to have sex with a guy. What, are you gonna marry the fish? Mikey's fully gonna fuck that fish, babe. <laughs> I knew what was happening when he said controversial statement. I, and you know what, Mikey? You know what's worse? Same. No. I was going to say, we need to have a, a conversation about the podcast right away, but it seems like you're both Tom Cruise level traitors. <laughs> I mean, if, you're, okay, if your choices are Matthew Perry or a dead fish. <laughs> Matthew Perry, 100% of the time. I Okay, if it was a dead fish, I'm out. If it is just a Wait, plastic fish. A yeah, what? a taxidermied fish? No, not, I would, no, I would not fuck a taxidermied fish. You want an alive want a fish live right fish? out of the ocean. You no. want to rape a fish. The only, listen, okay, why are we doing small this? mouth bass. How did we get here? <laughs> what is happening? You said you didn't want to fuck a dead fish. The only fish I would fuck under those very specific Mary fuck kill circumstances is a plastic fish slightly warmed with a hole cut in it. Okay. Like a big mouth billy bass? Small mouth bass, Tage. He wants a small mouth bass. Well, <laughs> it's got to sing while he does it, so it needs a little more mouth space. Who doesn't like a hummer? Rolling down the river. Because his mouth was full. Mikey, it doesn't help me when you make the sound like that. I don't I, enjoy okay, it. I'm going to tell you, I'm, fuck, I'm fucking that taxidermied swordfish because dead fish tell no tales. <laughs> Michael, I, they can keep it on the down low page way under the sea <laughs> that's what that song's about this is like 30 fathoms below yeah chapter two of my autobiography oh God. <laughs> <laughs> i'm fucking that taxidermied fish okay i have a real question though how that's a what you saying my, my questions aren't real yeah yeah um mikey oh now i have a real question not like a mikey question <laughs> yeah all right kill screw or marry the entire cast of a show below deck love is blind this most recent season or perfect match. Oh. Which perfect match? Which perfect match? The first one, because the second one hasn't come out yet. This is so easy for me. Mary below deck. Hell yeah. <laughs> Kill Love is Blind. Yep. Fuck perfect match. All, all right, day. All right. Yeah. Get your chance at Carousel. There you go. Carousel. <laughs> Todd, you can have Chloe. I love those big dumb eyes. She is such an idiot. Like, I don't even think she's that attractive. She's just adorably dumb. And she's very charming. I like her a lot. When she turned around and was like, 
don't tell him I'm stupid or something like that. Don't tell him I'm dumb. <laughs> yeah. I love people who are like that sort of silly. Like that, that won me over. I was like, I like her. She's great. Yes. She's I great. hope she doesn't make horrible decisions. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a Lachey show. Anyway. Okay. So he's going to go to Vegas. He gets there. Mexican restaurant. He runs into her in the line for the bathroom and she is on the phone practicing her breakup yeah she's like talking it through with her mom i think yeah her grandma one of them yeah. oh i think it was her cousin not that it, it really doesn't matter doesn't matter but sh- he allows her to cut in line for the bathroom <laughs> and we cut to later at his corporate track house they have banged it out all night long oh yeah there's no dialogue in this scene it's just her waking up and sneaking out yeah and like stealing i think her underwear from like under him her underwear from under his face classy viva las vegas but she started the coffee pot and locked the door on her way out i love that was she trying to murder him did she also turn the gas all the way up on the stove Like, why would she start the coffee pot and not wake him up? He's going to wake up to cold coffee in four hours. Uh, Because, Todd, the best part of waking up is Folgers in your (laughs) cup. cup. The smell will wake him up. What if he doesn't want to be woken up? It's called a turndown service. Not only is she turning him down for a relationship, (laughs) she's also preparing the house for him to wake up. All right, you know what? I have gotten a lot of turndown service now that you phrase it that way. (laughs) Do you want a second date? I'm going to go ahead and provide you with my turndown service. There you go. Here's a couple aspirin, and here's the back of me as I leave. (laughs) And here's an Andy's Mint for your pillow. Yeah. Yes. Now get the fuck out of my house. Yeah. They don't show this in the movie, but she had gotten a call from Chandler's girlfriend, Janice, warning her. (laughs) That was a deep cut friends joke. Whatever. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Chandler Bing. I do like their meet cute. It's sort of funny. Like they sort of meet. She breaks in line and then they go back and bang it out. And then she leaves. And then he goes about his life. Well, it's like the 90s. There's no cell phones or anything. That's true. There's no cell phones. Or social media. There were cell phones, but they were, it was like early stages of cell phones though. Like, yeah, but like, it's hard to find people back then. It is. But also here's what I will say. I don't know about your intestinal fortitude, but after eating that much Mexican food, cause he had an entire table. That is risky to then go home for sexy times all night long. If you are saying to me that Selma Hayek did all the work the night before, that is something I fully agree with. Yes. A hundred. Absolutely. And not that Matthew Perry does not look like a spry guy, but after what he'd consumed, I'm not sure he'd be up for it. Yeah. I was also worried that he might have just been like Dutch ovening her all night long. Well, maybe that's why she left. Yeah. Maybe that's why. She's like, it reeks in here. We yeah. gotta go. <laughs> that would be my luck. He ate like 12 plates of beans and cheese in various configurations and then went to have a ton of sex dangerous my friend i would have told her after the first or second time because i'm a gentleman (laughs) you're gonna make sure she could actually smell it you know like if she has covid and can't smell i'm not gonna tell on myself come on just blame it on her like you're like oh my god did you fart my house (laughs) Uh, anyway so we cut to three months later he's on the job site and his family friend kathy shows up And Kathy reeks of desperation. It grosses me out. Oh, you mean the woman he's supposed to end up with, quote unquote? She thinks so. I don't think he's ever shown interest in her beyond a certain point. No, me either. I fully agree. But that's what the movie is saying. Like his parents, her parents. Yeah. They've been like all think they should be married. Right. They have been friends since children. Like I've never had this exact situation. But you know, like when your parents are friends with 
people and they have a kid around your age, there's sort of that force requirement to be friends yourselves. I've never had that with an opposite sex person, but like that happens. Yeah. So it just seems like they grew up together and he sees her more like a sister and she sees him more like a husband. Yes, exactly. But he hides from her. Yes. And once she's gone, we find out that he and his lawyer friend, Jeff, are supposed to take one of the county like investigate like she's not osha and she's married to a councilman but like she's in charge of one of the things they need to get approved maybe like the abc commission the alcohol beverage commission something like that i don't know yeah something something like that that. it is like just to let you know that she has some leverage over them right yeah and the idea is that they go to dinner and somebody's gonna take one for the club yeah i do think the way they like code this message is like so blatantly obvious because she's really coming on to Matthew Perry and he's like I don't handle the pants down department that's him or whatever yeah that's him and then she says well him I forget his name but the other guy Jeff Uh, Jeff why yeah if I uh, Hefe, why don't you go get us some ice? I like pretty much telling him to leave because it's time for Matthew Perry to put out. Yeah. And then he like gets up and follows him like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. It's so funny. But like, it's only funny because it's sexual harassment. Yes, it is so over the top crazy but it's very funny and then that's when Selma Hayek shows up and sort of saves him from having to bone down this ABC lady yeah she just steals all his saltines and his freedom at least for the next 18 years Paige oh my god I missed the joke she was an ABC lady looking for the D (laughs) bottom and D that's one of my favorite ludicrous songs god damn it Mikey I'm so glad you clued into one part of that conversation (laughs) oh it's one of my favorite Jackson 5 songs ABC. <laughs> oh, 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 we were thinking of very different songs. I know. Anyway, <laughs> Isabel shows up and she's like, hey, is Alex here? And he's like, yeah. Uh, and so he brings her in. And Matthew Perry is very excited to see her. I think because he really liked her a lot and was just like, oh, thank goodness you're back. Yes. If you bring Selma Hayek home and she runs away, you would be thrilled she came back. Yeah. You'd be like, mm, yeah, fucking jackpot. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah, yeah. ready to quit his job when she pulled into the driveway. You had me at I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> you had me at hello, my name is Salma Hayek. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so she's like, hey, I'm pregnant. It's yours. But like, I, I don't necessarily want to raise it with you. I just figured that I had to tell you that was the honorable thing. And as she's kind of explaining and he's like, well, maybe we could work it out. She's like, nah. Uh, the other two come in from outside and she's like, oh, you have a guest. Uh, I'm a leaf. They go outside because they're going to go to dinner. So Jeff and the ABC looking for the D lady go to dinner. Matthew Perry is like, I'll meet you there. Gets in his car, follows Salma Hayek all the way to Hoover Dam, which is like, it's it's not an insubstantial drive from Vegas. I mean, it's, isn't it like an hour? Yeah, it's like an hour. Yeah, I've I've actually done that drive. Because uh, I once dated someone who lived in Vegas because I make terrible decisions. Vegas is not that bad of a place if you're not on the strip. Just put it out there. Anyway, go ahead. It wasn't Vegas that was the bad idea. Anyway. Oh, she was the bad <laughs> idea. Got it. Okay. Was she like a Mr. Darcy or like yeah, a Joe? Or, or like, a light up her? cowboy on the side of a building that moves his hat? Timothy Chalamane. Yeah. Timothy. I think he worked at a department store and his name was Manny. <laughs> oh. It was that girl. Uh, 
Um, but we we did that drive and we saw like I went right where they go in this movie. It's very pretty if you can you know make the stop. Yeah, no, I like the dam is pretty. I also love that desert. I think it's really cool looking. I dig it. Yeah. Anyway. So he finds her at the dam and she's like, my great grandfather actually helped build this dam. And like my family's in central Mexico. Yeah, that's like when they moved up. Yeah. Like telling him about her. Uh, and she's like, my father's going to kill me. And he's like, well, what can I do to help? And at this point, they have not agreed to stay together. He's just like, hey, can I at least make this easier somehow? Yeah. And she's like, just come meet my family so that when I tell them who it is, they have a face to put to a name. I really love this scene because he's like, look, back there. I didn't know what to say, but when someone shows up and says you're pregnant, you don't know what to say. I still don't know what to say, but I really he like it, it was like a pretty heartfelt conversation. It was a super genuine moment. And I really do feel like this movie at points is very silly and like, oh, my God, really? Is that happening? That's hilarious. But also there are some like really heartfelt moments in this movie. Oh, yeah. And this is definitely one of them. And I have one thousand times been the guy who was like. Okay, I don't know what the fuck to do in this situation, but I'm I'm here to like help or whatever. Like I've and I've definitely said the wrong thing in those situations, you know? It's a tightrope to walk for him being like asking about a, an abortion and then also being a, a sweet heartfelt movie and it kind of does it in these couple of scenes. Yeah. I mean, Mikey, you've had pregnancy scares, right? Yeah, I've broken up with girls before. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mikey, obviously you're joking. Let's just let's just say obviously you're joking, and I'm not going to dig into that further. But like, hey, you're lucky this is an airport. Paige, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I have had, I think, two actual pregnancy scares. Yeah, I've had at least one big one that was super scary, but. It is a weird conversation to have. Like, I've had that conversation and been like, all right. I was like, hey, are you more stressed than normal? Are you exercising more than normal? <laughs> are you sleeping the right amount? Are you drinking enough water? <laughs> have you ever had someone show you a positive pregnancy test? We've never gotten that far. I have. That would immediately, I would have a panic attack I, I, if, if I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. Did they fake a pregnancy test? I honestly don't think so. I don't know fully. But I don't think so. They had a miscarriage? Yeah. Oh, that's, well, that's, that's even more difficult than a yeah. pregnancy scare. That's a whole different other trauma. Well, I didn't want to bring that up. I didn't want to lie to you when you asked about it. But my, my whole point was like, I've had this kind of conversation Matthew Perry has had. And I definitely said the th wrong things. And like, it happens. How long ago was this? Was it a long time ago? Oh, Mikey. You keep asking questions that like. I hate answering. <laughs> you don't have to answer it. You don't have to answer it. It was a few weeks after I filed for divorce. <laughs> I can't even imagine old Todd having this conversation. I was like, I think you would do okay now. I cannot imagine you five to seven years ago having this conversation and it not going terrible. Mikey, it went very poorly. <laughs> but I also like, fuck, man. Like, That's the worst timing. Yeah, it was bad timing. I, I, didn't, I didn't push for anything. I'm just sure I said the wrong thing. I boxed with a guy. Oh, I, I don't like where this story might be going. And he was like, focus on the gut. No, no, no. <laughs> he comes in. He was married. He comes in. He's like, my wife's been cheating and she's pregnant. So she had to tell them both. And then it turned out they did the paternity and it was his. And they ended up divorcing. But he has the they have to co-parent. And I was like, that's such a bad situation. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> I honestly haven't talked about that in fucking 10. No, not that long, but like five or seven years. 
Yeah. Ah. Well, life can be depressing, but this guy had a good conversation. Well, with I mean, her. And that's that is the whole reason, like, we actually diverted into like real, actual life shit, is because this is like a real life moment, and he is sort of apologizing for saying the wrong thing back at the house and saying like, I don't know what to do, but I am here to help you. Right. And that was an unfortunate rhyme to make it not sound as impactful, but that's what he's trying to get across. There's a series of scenes of him reacting to baby stuff that are really sweet. And it's like how I would react, I think with, with the pregnancy. Cause I would, uh, and I think that he, he does, he does pretty sweet after that first scene and this conversation. Yeah. I do love, cause he agrees to go to dinner with her family that night. Like literally from there, they leave. This night lasts two days. It does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they go to dinner with her family and it's her whole entire family. And this is where he's like meeting everybody and he's having to like learn who people are, but he has a great time. And I bet the food is amazing. For sure. That party looked awesome. It looked lit. They had a mariachi band or at least some guy playing guitar. I think it was just her uncles with guitars. Yeah. I'm here for it though. Like live music. What I'm assuming is fucking amazing Mexican food. Yeah. And just like a bunch of people who want to talk to you. And I realized that that last one really would probably stress a lot of people out, but that's my fucking jam, dog. Like, I love that shit. He gets to hold the baby so one of the ants can eat and it throws yeah. up all over him because that's what babies do. That's what babies be doing. Uh, but it is a very sweet, sweet moment. Yeah. But don't forget the Chewy. Yeah. So he also meets her former fiance, Chewy. Well, they were never engaged. They were never engaged. Uh, according to her. Yeah. Sorry, I said it that way because that's the way she says it in the movie. That's but yes. what she says. Yeah. And and we never saw them officially engaged necessarily. So Nor did yeah. we see her with a ring. That is true. But who knows what was said in her and Chewie's quiet moments. You know what I'm saying? Chewie is a very stern police officer, although he comes around because he's part of like the crew with her brothers that like helps him move and stuff later. Yeah. But this is where he makes Mikey's favorite joke of the movie. Yes. Because he's like, hey, my name's Chewie. And he's like really intimidating. He's like, where's Luke Skywalker? And no one laughs. And then I laughed hysterically because I was like, I think that's racist, but also like ignorantly funny. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, because Chewie, what is Chewie short for? Chewbacca. (laughs) (laughs) She means like in real life, Mikey. Oh. (laughs) Chewie is often short for Jesus. Oh, no shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Woo. Hell yeah. Pepe is short for Jose, Pancho for Francisco, and Chucho or Chewy for Jesus. But also, your nickname in, in a family like this could be determined by how old you are. And if you have the same name as somebody else, like my sister for a while had a friend uh, whose name was Jose, but they called him Beto because he was the youngest so, yeah. Yeah. The youngest Jose of multiple Jose's. <laughs> well, you know, in a line. There's like three Sarahs in my family. I can't throw stones. That so checks out for your complexion. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Chewie definitely tries to be kind of intimidating, but it, it wears off pretty quickly because what's worse is her dad, who's a, who like clearly loves Salma Hayek, but is very intense about anyone who would date his daughter. That's not Chewie. He loves Chewie. Yeah, for some reason, he's really into Chewie, but who knows? Well, I think it's the same thing as Kathy, where, like, Chewie's been a family friend. They've known known him since he was a kid. I think it's that same dynamic. Yeah, that definitely could be, for sure. Yeah. But this is where Matthew Perry gets to talk to her mom a little bit, and he sees her photography, which is beautiful. I am sad that we don't get to see her make her book and stuff, but... Oh, can I just say this? 
She might be a little more successful if she bought a camera that was made, I don't know, sometime after the Civil War. Like when we see her taking a photo in the montage. That's true. She's got the tripod. It's got like a tripod and it has like a single slide in piece of film that you then remove the cover off the film and it literally burns the image in upside down on that film. Like that's the camera she's using. It's art. It's art. Well, and that's the only camera we see her use. And then we see her developing in a dark room, which she wouldn't for that type of film necessarily. So she must have another camera. We just never see her use it. Yeah. She also like never becomes a successful photographer. Like I sort of feel bad for her because she gives up on her dream in this movie. At least from what we see, we never see her kind of continue. I would hope that she then continues to take pictures and stuff after her baby's born, eventually puts her book out, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, we do not see it in the movie. But this is where he yells at the aunt that he thinks is Rosa, but it's a different aunt. And I do love that the aunt that he yells at just plays along. Yeah. (laughs) Instead of correcting him. Very funny. But then Selma Hayek comes up and is like, no, that one's Rosa. And he goes, oh, shit. Okay, my bad. Lo siento. But essentially, he has a great night with them. He gets to hold the baby. He really kind of, they make him part of the family. And he doesn't really have a family, or at least not one that he's very connected with. And so I think for him, this is new and it feels good. And he's like, what if it was like this all the time? Yeah. Which leads him to make a very rash decision to be like, hey, I know you didn't want me involved, but I'm in it. So let's get fucking married. So they get married in the traditional Vegas fashion where the bride makes <laughs> that up. night too, right? Yeah. Elvis yeah. gets to claim prima nocta. And oh, so I did they- not like the oh, full on no. kiss on the mouth from the usher down the aisle dressed as Elvis. He's the king. He has prima nocta rights. I'm sorry. That's a terrible joke. But yeah, Elvis does try to make out with her and then they get married uh, and then they go bonk it out for however long their honeymoon lasts they go to a honeymoon suite that is literally sort of across the street from his work site yep the fuddruckers but the next day he goes to work (laughs) and she goes i assume back to her apartment and she calls at work and is like hey it's urgent i need you to call me back and he's like "Eh," and he kind of puts it off and who should like roll up on his work site her father being like you stole my you didn't even ask my blessing to get married and then you didn't invite any of us to the wedding you stole her in the middle of the night you're a thief it's bad it's not going good it's not good it is this is the moment i knew that selma hayek came for money too because her dad drives what looks like is a brand new truck into what is a pit of wet concrete not like Mm -hmm. like where your wheels get stuck like it is up to the doors in concrete yeah like that car is now a fucking brick it's a funny scene too yep well they also own a boat no they do yeah i mean her granddad came up to build the hoover dam is that what it was great granddad so great great so they've been here for generations and have been building wealth for generations it sounds like or looks like at least you know or her great grandma is actually a cartel and that's why she has her own like a compound in mexico she's the head of the abuela cartel where you can only get there on back of donkey yes counterpoint i think her grandmother is db cooper (laughs) (gasps) abuela no do you mean debbie cooper (laughs) mikey debbie think about it that's why no one can find her her yeah Because the CIA didn't want people to think women could pull off heists. Yeah. So they changed it from Debbie Cooper 
Cooper to DB Cooper. No one would ever suspect Abuela. Also, we all know he was Sasquatch. It's fine. Yeah, I, of course. That's the only thing that makes sense. Now I'm just picturing Harry from Harry and the Hendersons holding up a plane for cash. I mean, I think he was Sasquatch, but I think he landed with all that money, lived around there. And then bought a Sasquatch suit and fucked with people for the rest of his life. Did you see the new Sasquatch footage that looks hella fake? Yes. Yeah. From the train? Yeah, people were like, we spotted Sasquatch. I was like, you spotted an asshole in a mask. And I don't even know why we're talking about this. It's not like aliens that are so real. <laughs> you say that like they're not. I know, they're really real. They're among us. Anyway. Not, Paige, not only are they real. But the woman who is married to Egger is in this movie. That's true. That is true before she met Egger and his Egger suit. Yep. I do love her. She has a crazy way of speaking. She does, and I love it. Because it's not an accent. It's just the way she talks, where she's just like, oh, yeah, you got to watch out for that. Like, I feel like she's constantly giving advice to another person from Minnesota. Like, that's how it feels <laughs> all the time. Yes, it does. Yeah. And, sh- and she's got that crazy red hair. I She's great. I don't know what she's up to these days, but good on you. Anyway. Half the people I went to high school with in college, as they've aged, they look more and more like Edgar from Men in Black, too. They're just, like, gray and loose. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, life's really been rough. You know you know what I'm talking about? Like, kind of like Southern guys who've lost the will to live. It kind of looks like Edgar's suit. Side note, Paige, if you come to Nashville, don't go to the strip club called Gray and Loose. <laughs> no, I would never. That sounds like... Gray and loose sounds like Sauron's strip club. (laughs) (laughs) They only do lemon parties. Mm -mm. Oh, you're going to gag now? Oh, really? Just at the thought of gray and loose. I keep thinking, I'm thinking of like moldy lunch meat. (laughs) I don't like it. Gray and loose is like my beta name for my elderly adult, you know, dating app. Your beta (laughs) name? It's a bad plan. He's beta testing. Oh, okay. Your grandmother need a date? Todd, he doesn't know what it is. It's fine. Okay. Alpha test. <laughs> the app is live, unlike half the people <laughs> registered for it. Because it's for old people. No, I get, get the it. joke. Yeah. It turns I off after it. 4 p.m. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's the late night party time. Hell yeah. You mean gray and loose after dark, Paige? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing somebody with a tennis ball on the end of their vibrator. <laughs> anyway so uh we cut to their house for a dinner party and where jeff is there with laney her friend from work uh because we do find out that she's a photographer at caesar's where she like takes pictures of tourists for like you know their touristy what's the word i'm looking for souvenirs yeah and then you know actually takes pictures in her spare time but it's at this dinner party that we reveal that he's like oh i don't live here i'm going back to manhattan and she's like do what this is something that would have been useful to know yesterday. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or three months ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, in all fairness, she left after they had sex. She came back three months later and this is the next day. And they just happened to have gotten married that quickly, you know? Right. I would not have thrown a dinner party on this specific day. Me either. I would have given it a beat. Like we're going to wait two weeks to like, you know, learn each other a little bit i also would not have gotten married under these circumstances i'd go for it i don't know but learn each other a little bit sounds yeah. like the Sexual. way a, a yeah. church romance novel describes <laughs> sex the lights went out and they learned each other a little bit oh they learned each other so good mm. you can take the mormon out of the layers but not the layers out of the mormon no i mean like hey what do you want out of your life i meant like that I assume they be fucking. Yeah, right? Yeah, she's already pregnant. You can't double pregnant her. (laughs) 
You can't double pregnant her is the third chapter in Mikey's autobiography. <laughs> you want to not knock a woman up? Only have sex with pregnant chick. Boom. <laughs> Loophole. Hello, Todd. It's Mikey. Hello, Mikey. It's Todd. <laughs> I need to tell you something. Mikey, it's fine. You'll be a great dad. That's We're going to table that. <laughs> but on that table is a delicious factor meal. Yes! What a transition! Oh my God, guys, this actually is a factor ad. That was amazing, Mikey. Mikey here for factor meal on Romance of the Pod. Heck yeah. We're going to table it. Delicious, already fresh made meals, never frozen. It takes two minutes to warm up, just like Mikey does. I have a busy schedule. I work all day. I have fun too much. I also work at night. I also have too much fun. And I <laughs> have a problem with words. Yeah, words is one. Uh, <laughs> ordering out is another one. Same. I ordered out tonight. Yes. I literally got, let's just say a factor equivalent meal for Natalie and I, and it was like $48 when it could have been way less with factor. Yeah, and I, I struggle with proportions. And factor comes pre-proportioned, pre-prepared, chef re ready. I've used it before. Before they even advertised on the podcast, I used factor meals, especially when I was working a lot during the COVID lockdown. I mean, that was the best time to get on board with factor, except for right now, because <laughs> factor is giving 50% off to all of our listeners. If they go to factormeals.com slash romancing the pod 50 and use code romancing the pod 50 to get 50% off. That's code romancing the pod 50 at factormeals.com slash romancing the pod 50 to get 50% off. That's a good deal. Do it. And they have an easy to use app and they never require me to talk about the app. Mikey, that was the end of the ad. That was the I end know. of the ad. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going. All right, factor meals. <laughs> <laughs> Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Anyway, so we cut to, I assume a few days later, he comes home and she has painted his house, a house he does not own. Well, her friends, yeah, family, well, yes. Friends and family, yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't own the place. It's like corporate housing. Yes. I also like that they managed to paint it and hang art in the same few hours that he was at work, which is impossible. Yo, this is like extreme home makeover levels of fast. Yeah, yeah like Ty Pennington just left the house. Move that van. <laughs> it just looks the same from the outside. Uh, but also, this is where we meet her dog that he calls Cujo. I don't remember what the dog's actual name is, but Cujo. And there's a million and a half crosses. There's a conjuring two amount of crosses in this house. It's a lot. Yes, it is a lot. And she asks, hey, have you told your parents? And he's like, oh, no, they're in Europe for the summer. But I, you know, whatever. We cut to a montage of her forcing him to watch her poop and then also working in the dark room. And then dancing and cooking. Okay. Do you think it was a two that she made him watch? Or do you think it was a one? I think it was a two. She was there for long enough to have a conversation. 
Okay. I'm just saying they're about to be married. Pa- yeah, Paige. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you some privacy when you're coiling out a number two. I. I still think you know. In general, it's good to have some intimacy still with yourself. Something should remain a mystery. Wait. Intimacy with yourself sounds like the way that same church romance novel <laughs> described other things. Sometimes I just want to shit in a room by myself, you know, and that's most Only times. sometimes? Oh, same. Mikey normally yearns to shit in public, but sometimes he wants to make it a more private affair. Mikey, it's not like anytime I go to take a shit, I'm like, Jake, you better get in here. Shit's about to pop off. Like, Literally. no, 99.9% of the time, I shit privately. And then occasionally I'm like, hey, can you put the towels in the dryer or whatever? And in passing, you happen to see that someone is on the toilet. This scene does aggressively look like she is lecturing him about something. She's doing her 15-minute tech talk while she's taking a shit. Yeah, it does seem that way. Anyway, she's also dancing and cooking. That's very fun. I feel like that scene would have excited you both. It did. I mean, she is a beautiful woman. Yeah, like, and she clearly can dance. You know what I'm saying? Like, and cook. Baby cook. <laughs> I don't know. She's just kind of throwing stuff everywhere. Wouldn't care. <laughs> she can she can serve me cardboard. I'd be like, this is the best meal. My wife. Thank you, Selma Hayek, my wife. This was totally worth fucking that dead fish for. (laughs) (laughs) Like you had to do it to earn it. That's how kill screwing. I had to pick three, three categories. I never thought about the fact that they'd be predicated on the other ones. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't, you don't get to marry someone until you have fucked the other person. And- I would run my hand down her cheek and be like, "I murdered Matthew Perry for you." <laughs> <laughs> I had to for the monkey paw. <laughs> Could I be any deader? <laughs> <laughs> Am I gonna fuck this dead fish? <laughs> <laughs> he is fully just Chandler in this movie, though. I know, but I love Chandler. I, Chandler is, he was my favorite friend. He was my favorite Chandler's friend, too. Chandler's my favorite friend, yes. Chandler and Phoebe forever. Although, oddly enough, one of the only Friends episodes I've ever seen is the one with Chandler in the box. And he is literally in a box for half that episode. And he's still amazing in it. He is. I'm surprised that you haven't seen... Okay, Friends is very has very great Thanksgiving episodes, like that's always one of good Thanksgiving episodes, and that's one of them. Uh, but then also in later seasons, Phoebe dates a young Paul Rudd. What? And he's like a recurring character for like a whole arc of the show. No shit. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and I forget what his actual name was, but there's they get married. What? And there's yes, there's an episode where she's refusing to change her name to a married name Hell yeah. so she changes her name to princess consuela banana hammock because you can just change your name to anything and so then he to like be like hey i don't love that like i thought you were going to change your name to whatever he changes his name to crap bag <laughs> and he's like <laughs> it's easy to remember just think of a bag of crap uh, and it's one of my favorite paul rudd moments he is amazing he is amazing anyway he takes her to the unfinished club and they have like pizza and milk bad combo i used to drink milk with pizza when i was like a kid but like it's not the best combo no pizza should exclusively be drank with soda that you got from the soda machine where you did one of every pump oh hell yeah it was called a suicide it was back in the day we probably should have a better name for it now but that's what we called it back in the day you're right anyway 
they have a conversation and they're both kind of trying to get the other one on their side where he's like, New York is great. And she's like, the desert is great. Well, I mean, I think she has some very valid concerns. Like, I don't want to move to New York. My family and friends are here and we're having a baby. And maybe like having a support system would be helpful while we have a fucking baby. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I feel like uh, there, there. it's a very difficult conversation. Every couple has to decide how they're going to navigate this for themselves. It is a very difficult conversation. Yeah. But I also understand his point of view where he's like, I'm making all the money and that's where I do it. I have to provide. Yeah, that that's where I do it. So and I really like how her mother brings that up. Like her mother is not fully like, yeah, fuck him. You have to live here. She's sort of realistic about it. She's like, well, he is trying to provide for his family. Yeah. You know, this happens in a few scenes, but like she I really like that they have those real life moments. Her mother is aggressively probably the most like realistically grounded of the characters in this film. I do love her mom. I think so, too. But I think his mom is my favorite acted character. <laughs> yes. Because she makes <laughs> the best choices as an actress. Like, I was here for her performance. No, yes. I think she did She did great. And then, like, her just getting drunk and, like, being in the ride. I oh. was just like, she's great. Every scene she's in, I don't know if you guys know, she steals everyone yes. else's drinks. She is fully yes. an alcoholic. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, even at the end, when she, like, when it's clear he's not going to go with them on their sailing trip, he's going to go, you know, find his love. Yeah. She like blows him a kiss. She like, knows. It's so fucking sweet. Like, and she has been just nothing but a ball of crazy the entire movie, but you still feel that emotional moment with them. Moms know. They do know. Moms know because it's the same with like her mom and his mom both root for them. They do. Yeah. yeah. And, and the fathers are like, this will never work. This will never work. But both moms are like, you guys have love. That's all you need to make it work, right? Which I, I sort of love about this movie. It's all not necessarily true, but I love burr, burr, it. Burr, 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 burr. All you need is love and generational wealth. Uh, yeah, no, it's, <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of other considerations to avoiding some of those problems. Anyway, but she and her mom, and the scene you were talking about, Todd, is right now. They're in the church, and her mom yes. is just like, hey, maybe you should consider New York. And she's like, eh, I don't know. Uh, but also, I sent him shooting out in the desert with my brothers because she wants him to, like, enjoy the desert, right? Well, and bond with her family, you know? Like, it's a big part of her life, you know? Yeah. They have meals once a week. She has a big family, like, you know. Yeah. Uh, we cut to, she's at lunch with Eggersuit's wife, <laughs> her friend from work, and while they're sitting and eating, she is talking about what her new name is going to be because she did not decide to go the Princess Consuela banana hammock route or the crap bag route. She is going to be Mrs. Alex Whitman. And Kathy, desperate, sad Kathy Stewart at the next table, overhears her and her like, married, married, yes, married. <laughs> that is very much the vibe of the next little 30 seconds of, of movie. But... Uh, she plays it much better than that. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you say Alex Whitman? I'm an old family friend of the Whitmans and like whatever. The Connecticut Whitmans? Yeah. I love their chocolates. <laughs> but yeah, she does say the Connecticut Whitmans and they are the Connecticut Whitmans. And like later in this movie, it's made clear that they are like one of the first families to come to America to yeah. settle. It's wild. Anyway. But like they're like super wealthy and it seems like she's also from a super wealthy, probably Mayflower family, as they call them, you know. Yeah. And 
She does nothing wrong in this movie, but I hate her so much. I'm like, get the fuck away from Selma Hayek's man. I both don't like her and I pity her. Yes, Because she is very desperate and it is painfully obvious, which is very, very off-putting. But also there's a part of me that's like, girl, you have wash and wear blonde hair that looks immaculate. Just go out anywhere and literally anyone else yeah literally anyone else because she is a beautiful woman in her own right it's not like she's some like uggo like she is classically beautiful especially for the 90s so like she would have no problem finding someone who actually loves her yes yeah but you know she loves him what a mistake it always is baby it always always is (laughs) she could have him if she murdered salma hayek and fuck that fish. <laughs> oh, this is like thinking about Matthew Perry is reminding me of so many weird friends things. Like Mikey, do you remember what Matthew Perry, what Chandler's dad did? No. So Todd, you don't know this because you didn't watch Friends. Uh, Chandler's parents are divorced uh, because his dad came out of the closet and moved to Las Vegas to start a drag review called Viva Las Vegas. That's right. Yes, and it's like a whole Wait, plot point. So it's pretty much like the plot of The Birdcage? Yes, Chandler is basically the son in The Birdcage. Oh my yes, God, yes. I love that. I did not know that. I fucking love that. Yeah, I mean, again, there are a lot of things about friends that don't age well. I hate the way they treat Monica and some of her stories because they fat shame her into what is probably an eating disorder. But like, there are a lot of other things about friends that I do like. So yeah. Also, there's no black people on friends, which is weird. It's strange to have that many friends and have none of them be people of color. Okay. I know Todd, this doesn't mean anything to you. I'm so surprised (laughs) you haven't watched a ton of friends. Who me? Yeah. My parents watched it when I was like growing up and then like many girls played it on repeat all of my life i did like through college i it was my it was my go-to because we had the seasons on dvd and and it was constantly on reruns on the tv so we had friends on like all the time from like 2006 to 2010 give or take i don't know i missed a lot of like pop culture because i was very busy like working full-time going to school and writing music and performing music so like i didn't really have much time for anything else uh, until after the band broke up. And then I was like, holy shit, the Matrix slaps. <laughs> <laughs> I love people like you. Because like I literally had somebody I worked with and I was like, have you ever seen The Dark Knight? No. Have you ever seen The what? Matrix? No. Have you what? ever seen <laughs> like all of these huge like Well that's Andrea Gazetta has not seen a lot of the huge things. That's why I showed <laughs> that's why I showed her face off the last time she was at my house. Have you ever seen the notebook? No. I'm like Have you consumed popular culture in 20 years? No. I'm like, okay, we have a lot of stuff to go through. I definitely didn't see The Notebook until way after I knew every song on that new Radicals album. Yeah. Top to down, that whole thing slaps. It's a good, it's it's a decent soundtrack. I think the Walk to Remember soundtrack is better, but anyway. I know what I'm doing on the way to work tomorrow. Hell yeah. Someday you'll know. So good. Wow, the sky's blue. I remember that one. Why do I have cancer? cancer? Uh, Todd. Yes. The way that comedy TV shows work now is very different from the way they worked at the time. Well, yeah, because they're single camera. Yeah, so it's not live studio audience multicams. Yeah. Yeah, it does feel dated, but even for that style, I think you probably still would kind of enjoy it. I would say just watch the Thanksgiving ones and see if you like it, because that's like, 
five or six and that's about it. Yeah. And you could you do, wouldn't need to watch any more than that to get a vibe. The episodes I've seen have been fine. Like they just haven't like I haven't been like fuck I gotta watch this show like I did with well, like. Well, it's not worth doing a whole rewatch of ten seasons of twenty plus episodes. Yeah. Like no. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But like I loved Sports Night, which is the a very it's a very similar style of comedy, right? It's a multicam. In front of a live studio audience comedy So I, I I dig that vibe too It is very dated But you know It's fine I like it Well and to be honest I don't think it was live studio audience It was just still multicam I think it was laugh tracked in But That like, makes sense actually for, From the memes I've seen about Friends That makes sense Yeah well because they also Change locations a lot of time in, in Friends More so than most Yeah Three cams do Anyway So He's peeing out in the desert. He's surrounded by rattlesnakes. They shoot the rattlesnakes to save him, but then he jumps and falls on some cactus. So they bring him home, drunk off his ass on tequila. Oh, it's so good. Full of cactus thingies. I love that she like, she hits every one of them. Like as they bring him in, she's like, what did you do to my husband? And she's like hitting them, yelling at them in Spanish and kicks them out. Even Chewie, who was there, yeah. she says, I told you to make this special for him. And they did. <laughs> He'll never forget this. Have any of you fallen in cactus before? <laughs> Have you not? Paige, I live in the southeastern United States. Okay. That's like if I was like, Paige, you've ever gone honky tonking and then hooked up with a guy who didn't graduate high school later, but now you know, is kind of on parole and also cooks meth in his trailer. I have not. I have not done that, but I have fallen into a bunch of cactus before. <laughs> uh, and it got my whole arm. And then I had to pull all of the little spines out and it mm. caused like a rash. So you end up with like a rash from it after. It's real painful. Not a fan. Love the look of cactus, but don't don't get too close to yeah, it. Yeah, they're real prickly in nature. I did love that the spines of the cactus were aggressively just stuck to his clothing. Toothpicks. Like yeah. when you yeah, they probably were toothpicks spray painted like silver or whatever to make it look like it's see-through or whatever. Anyway, the, you see them move when like his jacket moves as he's like slowly sort of moving. They move with the jacket, not like with the way his body is moving. It's very funny. So here's what's terrible. They they don't go in very deep, so they and they're kind of bendable, so they do kind of move. It's real painful. Well, I mean, they would move with the skin they're stuck yeah, in. Yeah, they yeah, wouldn't yeah. move with the jacket, is my point. Oh, they're aggressively glued to the jacket. Yeah. Just like me, I only move in the skin I'm st stuck in. Okay. I mean, Paige, are we not all just bones that are moving in the skin we're stuck in? Think about it's it. It's a wonder nobody buys your socks anymore. It's funny that you said anymore, like at one point they did. <laughs> There's a reason we aren't still performing music. I thought she was making fun of me, and I was like, I don't no. write songs, idiot. No, Todd does. <laughs> I honestly think you and Paige would write songs well together. We do every day on this podcast, yes. No, and, and no I mean, like, just like a, you guys are able to, like, riff really well. And, like, I think if you, like, really set a topic and, like, rent for it, I think you guys could do it. I think we could, too. Well, if we do that Bones one, I think our band has to be death uber for mildly attractive people. Because it definitely sounded like a an emo ripoff. <laughs> no, our band's name is Loose and Gray. No, never. <laughs> I'm Loose. I'm Gray. Am I and? <laughs> Hang on. You're an ampersand. If Mikey's loose and Paige is gray, am I just back on like the laptop with a mouse on my head that just like looks no. like a big A? You're the painting we keep in the attic. Dorian Gray. Hell yeah, Paige. I get it. And on the drums, Mr. Darcy. Hello, ladies. Hello. So they do bring him home, drunk on tequila, uh, and he does... 
scream out <laughs> like a slurred Ricky Ricardo. You've got some splaining to do, which is very fun. It is a fun callback. And then he drinks tequila out of the carpet, much like the frat boys used to do when I was in college. Okay, first off, gross. Secondly, gross. Why would anybody do that in real life? Well, it was a joke. They had this purple (laughs) carpet that we called the purple monster because they would like finish drinks and then dump the last drops out onto the carpet. Like chug, 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 turn the cup over. Sure, sure, sure. And so- the running joke was that you could get drunk just by touching the carpet because it had that much booze in it, but also gross. I'm not advocating for that lifestyle. This is a great example of why no fret would take me. That's fair. I begged Paige. Oh, did I you? Beg- no, of course not. I, didn't ha- <laughs> I, was, I, didn't have the- I was like, that doesn't sound like you. <laughs> I didn't have the money to pledge for a fret. They're like, I can't wait to pledge this flat. What musical are we doing this year? We did do musicals every year for Songfest. It was a big deal. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I could I could see that, Mikey. Like, we could both see that Paige was definitely in a sorority that did shit like that, right? Yes. It was the entire Greek community at my school that did it. Listen, Paige, if you're saying I wouldn't have also loved doing that, you're wrong. Like, I would, I would be that person. I know. Yeah. But that's just one time a year. The rest of the time, it's like drinking and streaking and sports. Yeah, which is all things I don't really care that much about. <laughs> I love streaking. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm here. I'm here for the two months that we're gonna sing and dance, and then uh, I'll live off uh, Greek row for the rest of it. It was like four months, but we'd also do door songs. So like, whenever people come to like oh, I've give announcements, yeah. or like come talk to you, you greet each other in song. Like we do a song, then you do a song. It's like a whole thing. There's a lot of singing in France. <laughs> that sounds amazing. We used to do Tenacious D covers for a while when I was, uh, when I was I went in. to Mississippi State, so there was mostly just racism. That's sad. Yeah, I mean, you did call it your masses degree. No, you didn't. You Todd did, did in a joke that Todd wrote. At the time, it was one of the top 10 counseling programs in the country. Camp counseling. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to kill a kid with neglect? <laughs> Come to Mississippi State. Sorry, that was me. <laughs> Just a post Friday the 13th joke. What, what pissed me off the most about college was after I got done, they would like call me and be like, do you want to donate to the Alumni Association? I was like, I gave you 70 grand for my time there. Yeah. I don't have anything else to give. Just let it go. They were toxic. Anyway, so we cut to a few days later. She is kind of cleaning the house. He's got a donut that he has to sit on because he had spines in his butt. And the doorbell rings. And it's his parents who have shown up because Kathy Stewart told them that they should come see him immediately, but didn't tell them he was married. So he opens the door and they see Salma Hayek and they're like, oh, you're housekeeper. And he does not correct them. And that's when she should have walked out of his life forever. I don't think she heard because she was back in the house. Yeah. Because remember, he got he, he sort of gets them outside of the house. So they see her, but then are ushered yeah. out quickly. So she can't hear them. Right. But yes, she does sort of realize what's going on here in a second. And I would be very pissed off. As she should be. Yes. Yeah. And they continue to think she's the housekeeper this whole scene until he corrects them. But it's way too late and it's her forcing him to do it. It's like five minutes, Paige. It's a lot. Yeah. I wish they went into more of his like parents back. Like I think if it was made today, he would have like a reason why he hates talking to his parents. He doesn't really go into it too much. Right. They just seem like serious people, you know, like they're not very funny people. I think it would have been cool if we got like his parents sort of learning that like, 
oh, maybe the way that Selma Hayek's parents are is like better and more fun. And like having, you know, spending a lot of time with family can be fun, you know, that kind of thing. But we don't get that in this movie at all. No, because the next thing we get is them on a pontoon boat for Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. And getting just obliterated by the sun which this scene escalates in a very unfortunate way yeah the families really kind of fight the mom the mom gets drunk but it it devolves into kind of a racism and religion fight of like brown people versus white people and it's not good well and protestant versus catholic it's protestant versus catholic yeah. yeah and this is where it comes out that uh the Whitmans are like Mayflower family. They're like, we, yeah. we were here, uh, the original settlers. And then Selma Hayek's dad is like, we were here the entire, entire time. time. Like, yeah. <laughs> you guys are like the colon, whatever. Yeah. Whatever, bro. And it does carry on back to their house where Selma Hayek is like, so every country club is full of racists. You you don't like cat like it's kind of continuing and she's like you don't even practice like you don't go to church so why do you care oh, yeah it's this whole thing but it's their first big fight this sort of kicks off the stuff that like separates them right yeah because for a romantic or rom com of a movie like your two main characters literally get married in the first act right so it's not about like will they get married well you don't think it is although at the very right. end they sort of make it like that. But it is like, you're going to have to find a way to bring them apart, and this is the way they do that, right? And I, I sort of agree. Like, I thought this fight was really dumb, because it's not like he's a devout practicing Protestant. Right. And she is a devout practicing Catholic. Yeah. So, like, let it be Catholic. Who gives a shit? Yeah. I think when your parents get involved, you just start going 30% weirder and more bonkers. Oh, because you think he might be doing it because that's what his parents expect of him? Well, have you ever just got into an argument because you're feeling an emotion and you're just saying words that have nothing to do with what you're actually mad about? And then, like, then yeah. like eventually you're like, what the fuck am I talking about? Yeah, Mikey, I am a terrible community. Yeah, I'm bad at communicating. This is why I'm in therapy. Yeah. Well, I've got good news. It's not just you. It's millions and millions and millions <laughs> of people. And that's why Mikey wants to teach you how to talk to women at his seminars at your local hotel conference room yes i call my method the war games where the only way to win is not to play the game and i am giving a seminar across the street about how you don't need any man and you can stand on your own two feet and don't accept that kind of treatment and let's all get really bright sweaters okay i like sweaters i do too i'm in a real sweater phase i just finished my halloween sweater oh nice it's a crop top but it's got a real nice vibe. But but I do think I think he's like upset about a lot of different stuff. And I think he's not meaning the work, the actual content of what he's saying. I think he's upset about the situation and taking it out on her, which is not a good thing. But people do it to each other. So he's being maybe true to the way he feels like his emotions, but he can't convey what he's feeling correctly. So it's coming out weird. Yeah. His emotion is I hate that my parents are here fighting with your parents. Yes. I think that's being very kind to Matthew Perry's character. Yeah. But I could see that. Well, because he never talks about this ever again. No, and I, I really do think it's a dumb fight because he doesn't practice. If it was set up like they were super into Protestantism and she was super into Catholicism, I could be like, okay, that makes sense that they would they would actually be a fight over this. Right. I just don't really buy it because he doesn't, I mean, I don't know. It just seems like a dumb fight. Yeah, and I saw it as like, this is the growing pains of two people suddenly in a relationship that don't really know each other that well. And he kind of goes to work the next day and he's talking to his kind of 
skeezy Jeff friend and comes to the doctor's appointment. And I feel like he was going to break up with her at the doctor's appointment. And it then it does seem that way. It does seem that way. But then he sees the ultrasound and it makes it very real. And I think that makes everything else he was mad about seem trivial. Super small. Yes. I think it does make everything else he was mad at super trivial. Like that. I mean, I think he's like, holy shit. That's like my kid's heartbeat. That would be an, a hugely emotional moment to have and to share with somebody. Yeah. Uh, and we cut to the next day where she kind of kidnaps him for his birthday. I do think there's a little bit of her trivializing his job sometimes, which can be frustrating. Sure. I do think that like it is his job to set those boundaries uh, and be like, hey, I do have to I have to work like I have to do this. Yeah. But I mean, it is his fucking birthday. Like, come on, Jeff, stop being a dick. It's his birthday. Yeah, I've worked on most of my birthdays. <laughs> yeah, but it's your birthday. Like, take the day off. Yeah, I'm with you. Fuddruckers can build themselves. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. The ostriches can build it. Club Ruckers, baby. Club Ruckers. <laughs> what happened to those? They all closed because yeah. people stopped going. Huh. I liked Fuddruckers personally. I fucked with their shakes for sure. Yeah, they used uh, like a brioche for their bun, and I, I fucking love that. Anyway, they go to the Grand Canyon for his birthday and she has had his mom ship Grace Papaya to him, which today they can do. They've gotten food shipping technology has vastly improved. But at the time, sure, I wouldn't have eaten those. But it looks like they just shipped what is four hot dogs across the country in what looks like a lunchbox, more or less. Yes. All I'm saying is there's no way they don't have food poisoning after this date. Like, they go home and shit out their mouths. Like, they are dying. But that's how they met. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Fighting over a bathroom, Mikey. That uh -huh. is how they met. You're right. Um, but we cut back to the work site where OSHA is ready to shut them down. For a myriad of reasons, not the least of which being their giant cube on the top of the club crushes an OSHA car. <laughs> I like this scene. It made me laugh. It, it, it made me laugh, too. It was funny. So after that happens, he has to go to New York. So we cut to a meeting with him and his boss in New York where his boss is like, yo, what the fuck? And he's like, hey, I promise I can get it done in three weeks. And he's like, oh, great. Then I'll give you the New York club because Tokyo's taking longer. And he's like, oh, no, I promised Sama Hayek that we would be here till October so we could have the baby. Yeah. And he's like, well, is this going to be a problem? Because like, what are you going to let your wife dictate to you? Yeah. That is sort of the vibe of the boss. Yep. So we cut through a montage of him getting that club finished. And he has not told her that there is kind of a ticking time bomb. Right. On what's going to happen. But he gets the club open. We go to that first night. And it doesn't look like in the first scenes where she first gets there, she's got her purse in front of her stomach because I don't think she has the belly in. And then in later scenes, she does. So I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but it's like a weird continuity You're error. Like, oh, we forgot to order a fake belly. No, because it's literally like scene to scene. So I'm like, did they just not have it on? Or was there a re like a mic reason? I don't know what it was. But anyway, she starts having some sort of complication at the club where she's not feeling great. Maybe Braxton Hicks, who knows, but she's like, this baby is mad at me about something. Yeah. At the club opening, like she literally, she goes to the bathroom because of it and was like, yeah, having to sit down. Like, uh, the Edgar's wife who was in this movie, like she goes to get her water. Like it's a thing. Like it's a thing. And she and 
I keep wanting to say Chandler. Whatever. Paul Chandler. Everyone knows he's Chandler. She Fuck. and Chandler yeah. get in a fight. <laughs> she and Chandler get in a fight. And Chandler says one of the cruelest things ever. Yeah. That like. Yeah. Holy. Because she basically is like, love is a gift, not an obligation. And he's like, I'm not going to give up the career I worked my entire life for. For somebody I married in front of Elvis with a $5 ring. I was like, holy shit. Like, there's no coming back from that. Like, that's horrific. Yeah. Well. She likes to one up. So like <laughs> Oh, yeah, what she does next. They both do each other very dirty very in this part dirty. of the Yeah, I mean, they are I mean, they're late 20s, you know what I'm saying? Like It's rough. It is toxic because he goes home, she's gone. His phone rings. Her friend took her to the hospital. He goes to the hospital and she's in the maternity ward. So like, I mean, I think if if he had pulled a nurse aside, he might have gotten actual information. But instead, he asks her, he's like, is everything okay? She's like, I'm okay, but there is no baby. She lies to him. She doesn't actually say that the baby died or any of that stuff. Yeah. She just says there is no baby, which I would definitely get clarification on before leaving the hospital. But he doesn't. He just leaves. Well, she does just scream until he leaves. Well, she does like the whole, get on, get. Yeah. You better get on out of here. Go on, get. Go on, get. Like she was like seconds from throwing rocks at him to get him to leave. Like it was that kind of scene. It was it was bad. He comes home and this actually, this scene made me very, very sad where yeah. he sees the ultrasound on the fridge and then just like Fuck. spikes a Snapple, a glass bottled Snapple against the wall. Yeah. That would have put a hole through the wall. Yeah, because that made him Snapple emotionally. <laughs> Paige, there were a few times in this movie I cried. This was one of them. You guys remember Snapple? I, do, I love Snapple. I still drink Snapple. Hardcore. I fucking love Snapple. Mikey refuses to let us talk about anything emotional. I did cry during this part yeah. of the movie though. I, oh, I do it for a living. Are you making me do it now? <laughs> Went to therapy today and I did therapy. That's a lie. I didn't actually do, th I did management stuff today. I had therapy today too. Me and my therapist talk shit about your therapist. What's your favorite Snapple flavor? I don't like Snapples. I never really had a ton of Snapple. I had that. What was that other drink that came out with all the weird flavors? Fruitopia. No, with the lizard, with the lizard on it. Sobe? Yeah, I was a Sobe guy. Todd, what cliche 90s drink did you like? Tahitian treat. What's Tahitian treat? What is that? I'm Googling it. Was it in a glass bottle? No. Oh, oh, it's like, uh, it's kind of like cactus cooler. Yeah, man. They still make Tahitian treat, bro. They do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have one occasionally when I'm feeling like, you know, 17 again. They don't make Sobe no more. They do not make Sobe anymore. They do make Snapple. I would replace pretty much all the water in my body with diet peach Snapple if you let me. <laughs> I would I would also drink pretty much any flavor of Snapple. I fucking love Snapple. Cool Snapple, reach out for an endorsement, I guess. Snapple, just give me all your diet peach iced tea. I'll produce another, what I'm assuming is the sexiest podcast commercial that's ever existed. I only do sexy podcast ads. I just want everybody, to, I did sexy ads for Dipsy over on Cult Podcast. I did this one. Well, I have a different thing if i do an ad it's sexy mm. disagree when page when you sent me your audio for that mochi melt ad and you were like dude can you put some music under this i was like <laughs> yes i can do that so uh yeah i did that i listened to the one you sent it was really funny i was like exactly it was really fun i cracked up at work hell yeah anyway 
He goes back to the hospital, probably to apologize, but she's gone. And we cut to, she goes to Mexico. I mean, he definitely comes back to apologize. He, he like, he's bringing flowers. Yeah, like, yeah. He knows he fucked up, and she is gone. Yeah. We we get a montage of, like, he gives the dog to, back to her brothers. He moves back to New York. She's in Mexico. He's setting up the Midtown Club, uh, but he's he's not really dating anyone. He gets served with divorce papers. Well, yeah, because it's been months. Like, yeah. it shows the passage of time. Although, I think they're really clever about the way they shoot Selma Hayek until it's, like, revealed that she is still pregnant. Yeah. Because there are scenes where, like, it's really good camera work that blocks it. Because there's that one scene where she runs through a crowd. And she's facing you. And if no one was there, you would definitely see she was pregnant. But it's just the placement of the people block out her stomach perfectly. It was just like that attention to detail was very cool in this. Yeah, it's not until she eventually like there's a reveal at her grandma's house that yes. she is still pregnant. And her grandma is basically like, look, you did love this person. Why did you lie to him? Why did you break up with him? And she's like, because if I didn't, he would have left me, which is an insecurity. And this is. It's mutually assured destruction. I'll dump you before you can dump me. That's a really unhealthy, toxic way of thinking. But she calls her on it. She's like, nah, fuck that. You let yourself off the hook. Yeah, yeah, And, uh, you know, she, like, sort of holds her feet to the, like, at least holds her to some sort of accountability for the choices like she made. Quinn Tarantino, yep. <laughs> she held her feet to the inside of Tarantino's mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... We cut to Alex and he gets a phone call from Kathy and she's like, come sailing with us. And he's like, you know what? Why the fuck not? I'm getting divorced. But as he leaves to go. No, her, she goes, I heard about you and your wife. Oh, yeah. She's awful. I'm so sorry. Wink. Well, anyway, do you want to come on a date more or less? A double <laughs> yeah. date that is sailing with their <laughs> parents. That sounds terrible. It does not sound fun. But it also is like, this is the life that he is, quote, supposed to have, although he does not love her, right? Yeah. So he is choosing the life that his parents don't want for him, but where he found love. And I sort of love that part of this. Yeah. And as he leaves the house, he passes a preacher, like a street preacher, who's like, hey, you've got to pay attention to all the signs. They all mean something. And he's like, what the fuck? Well, and because there is that runner throughout this movie about, is it fate? Yes. That, like, guides our lives, or is it just, you know, choices that we make and happenstance, right? Right. And this is him, like, converting to the faith side, or fate side, that she was on. Even though he does pass through Times Square, and I'm like, there's so many signs in Times Square. You can make them mean whatever you want them to mean. <laughs> like, this is kind of like when you read a horoscope that's vague, and it's just like, Scorpio, you'll have a great day. And you're like, <gasps> Fucking it nailed was it. a great day. It was Fucking a great day. It. Son of a bitch. <laughs> And he, but he does also run into a little girl at the airport where they're going to take a helicopter, a little girl named Isabel that looks like she could be like the child of him and Salma Hayek. Yes, that was it was good casting for a emotionally manipulative moment. Well, that sums up children. <laughs> he decides not to get on the helicopter. He's going to go find her. What do you think he whispered in Kathy's ear? I never fucking loved you. I, yeah, I thought it was something like it. No, she looked too happy. She doesn't look happy, bro. She does not look happy. I, I mean, I think he should have said, I think of you like a sister, like something like that, right? Yeah, I think that's what he said. You don't think he leaned in and was like, you're lucky this is an airport. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a joke that the listeners won't get, but uh, I find very funny. Because yeah. it was an airport. Yeah, he leaves. It's really sweet, though, because we don't hear any of the dialogue. He whispers something in her ear. She obviously relays the message to the helicopter as it takes off, and you see his mother in the back sort of blow him a kiss, sort of like, I think, like, blessing that, like, giving her blessing to, like, yes, please go get Salma Hayek back. You're never going to find someone that attractive again. Yeah. My nipples are the size of coffee cans. <laughs> yeah, you know, something real crazy. I do love that, like, we get that nice helicopter shot of, like, Matthew Perry still on the, like, helipad or whatever. And then it gets, like, so far away and he just turns around and starts running away. Yeah. Not walking off the helipad, running off the helipad. Right. And we get a montage of him traveling, traveling, traveling. He gets to an airfield in Mexico. There's, like, one guy and he's like, how how do I get to Tamarzula? And he's like, Trambia, Trambia. I can't, that sounds Italian. That sounds too Italian, <laughs> but he means bus. I did love that part because Matthew Perry is in Mexico at this point and assumes that no one speaks English. Right. So he's like saying the town he's trying to get to and the man who he thinks doesn't speak English is saying something back in Spanish to him. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck is a trambia? And yeah. he's like, the bus. He's like, it's that bus right there. <laughs> yeah. I thought that shit was hilarious. But then he also rides a mule, but he gets to her great grandmother's compound. Okay. I have a question. She clearly drives in and out of her great grandmother's place this entire movie. Why does he have to take a mule there? I don't think the bus goes directly to the house. Okay. I mean, fair. But also, why a mule? He stole a mule and took it to the house. Yeah, I think he stole that mule. Yeah. Well, because he doesn't have a rental car or anything. He's a rental mule. He's a rental mule. <laughs> this mule is a rental. I Also, when he gets off the mule, it looks like he shit himself. Like, his pants are the dirtiest, like, brown I've ever seen. He is covered in filth. He's eating Mexican again. What do you, We've already established this. <laughs> Here's the fun part of that mule. Don Keyless entry. <laughs> <laughs> that was my Mikey joke for the day. Thank you. A, a Don Keyless entry? <laughs> Don Keyless entry. So he talks to her great-grandmother. Her great-grandma's like, it's you, white guy. She went to go have your baby, but she's saying it in Spanish, and he doesn't understand her. So she just goes, Las Vegas. And he's like, motherfucker. So he goes back to Las Vegas and he beats her there because he flies and she's driving. Yeah. And he calls her friend. So he plans on right around when she's going to get to Hoover Dam on the state line. Yeah. And so he waits for her there, even though it's raining, which almost causes an accident. And he's like, I'm not going to give you a divorce. I believe in us. And she goes into labor. She has the baby, even though she's screaming that she hates him, which still happens sometimes, even when people love each other. Okay, can I point out something in this scene that I thought was, like, poetic in a very stupid way? Yeah. So, as the the police officer on the dam is realizing that she's too far gone to be taken to the hospital, the baby's coming right now, he says, let's give her some air to get people to back away from her, but he also delivers that baby and he holds her while he takes her first breath so i thought that that was sort of a sweet poetic moment of dialogue that's sweet poetry poetry this movie is full of it guys that's all i'm saying oh anyway she has the baby uh and it's a girl and she's so beautiful i don't what did she name her do they not name her they ask about the name, but I don't have her name written down. I don't think they named that baby. Swordfish. <laughs> Marlena. <laughs> I honestly don't remember uh, the name of the baby. I don't think they do. Anyway, he makes a wish with the coin and then climbs into the ambulance. 
And they have this conversation of like, do you think she'll like New York? And he's like, I think she'll like the desert. And they're like, oh, we're divorced because it's midnight. So they redo the big wedding at the Grand Canyon with her family and a priest and everyone there. And, and that's, that's, that's the movie. movie. So have you seen the movie? Have they talked about the movie? What did you guys think about Fools Rush In? I enjoyed it. I, I, I did enjoy it. I, I feel like you could trim it, but I like it for the most part. Yeah, I think it's fun. I mean, I definitely, there are some moments that are sort of like, oof, like not great because of the time the movie was made in, but it is sort of a low stakes, at least for the viewer sort of movie. And I dig it. And I really like Matthew Perry. Like when uh, this came out and then I think the whole nine yards came out like that time period. I was super into Matthew Perry shit. Like, oh man, the whole nine yards that could count. It could. Yeah. I think, but like he he didn't really stay in that like romantic lead lane, like rom-com lane, like a Vince Vaughn kind of lane. You know what I'm saying? Even though I do think he has some movies that he's good in that lane. Uh, this being one of them. Mm-hmm. By the way, I don't think they ever say the baby's name. In fact, there's a lot of people online that are upset about it. Oh, because I was looking right. for it. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, uh, but Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I do. Well, it is with your fun facts. Swordfish, fun facts. So the role of Alex, Matthew Perry's character's father, is played by John Bennett Perry, who is actually Matthew Perry's father. What? Wow. That (laughs) is awesome. Now, before the movie was filmed, there was no Arizona-Nevada border painted on the highway that spans the Hoover Dam, even though it does cross both state lines. Yeah. It was added for the movie in 1996, and local officials decided to keep it after the movie wrapped. Until September of 2005 when they painted back over it. But for a short amount of time, that border was painted onto the dam itself. Very cool. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Originally, Jennifer Lopez was offered the role of Isabel, although I think Salma Hayek crushes it. Same. Uh, But Jennifer Lopez turned it down because she had another project demanding her time. And that was the movie. No, not Gili. No, not Gili. Anaconda from 1997. I didn't know she was in Anaconda. Hell yeah. What? We could do that on horror version. Is that a horror movie? We could it yeah. is a horror movie. We should we have not done any Anaconda movies and we should because they're fucking nuts. My Anaconda don't want none unless you got Lopez, son. Yeah. Matthew Perry credits a jet ski accident while filming this movie as the impotence for his addiction to prescription drugs. Okay. So this is kind of where this starts. Oh. And I do at the end of fun facts, I have some notes about where this falls in the like life cycle of friends and how that probably impacted the box office. Interesting. Yep. Uh, Now, fun fact about Matt Perry's dad. He was also on friends. He played the father of Joshua, Rachel's boyfriend for a substantial amount of time on the show. No shit. And then they also have played father and son in an episode of scrubs. I did not realize that he was like an actor's son. Yep. The Elvis impersonator is a man named Eddie powers who is a real life Elvis impersonator and does work at the Silver Bell Wedding Chapel in Las Vegas. He sneaks that kiss. You think he sneaks yeah. it on everybody or just because she was Selma Hayek? It is part of Prima Nocta. It is his right He's as the, the king. king. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, <laughs> Carlos Gomez, who plays Chewie, was also on Friends for a, a period of time. He's in The One with All the Jealousy from this same year. He played Julio, who was a poet slash diner waiter who dated Monica for 
a little bit. Okay. Same with Isabel's mother. She was also in an episode of Friends. Uh, when Monica picks up Emily's wedding dress in season four, very important. Emily uh, is marrying Ross, but Ross is still in love with Rachel. It's a whole thing. Uh, but Isabel's mom is the sales lady in the dress shop. <laughs> there you go. Gray's Papaya is a real New York restaurant. Uh, if you've never tried it, it is delicious. That's why a lot of people are obsessed with it. But don't put it in a lunchbox and ship it across the country for like four days and then eat it. So I think you can actually get it on Gold Belly now. I'm not 100%. Okay, but they, don't, they take more precautions than taking a hope. box of four hot dogs, putting them in a like literally like a lunchbox and shipping it across the country. That will yes, kill Yes, I would hope so. You would be that shitting will... out your mouth within the hour. Yeah, full botulism. Uh, anyway. <laughs> it's a full botch. The first, the first shot of what is supposed to be central Mexico is actually Crown Vista Point in Oregon. That makes uh-huh. sense. Um, yeah, that yeah. checks out. Uh, even though that is kind of what central Mexico looks like. So, you know, whatever. Um, now, the house used for filming for Alex's temporary house while in Vegas is 6679 Merced Lake Drive, Las Vegas, Nevada. And it has since been repainted white. However, that same neighborhood is also where they used to shoot a ton of episodes of Gigolos on Showtime back in the day. Uh, so if you ever watch <laughs> Gigolos or or like early CSI used to film in that neighborhood all the time too. Um, it's, it's that or there's a neighborhood that looks exactly like it in Santa Clarita. So CSI used to sometimes just film there to have it double for Vegas, which is pretty funny. It's closer. Anyway. Um, now, the the city that she is supposedly from, Aguas Calientes, uh, or Hot Springs, is portrayed as being rural, but it is a bustling city of nearly a million people. <laughs> so she definitely lives in a suburb of Aguas Calientes. Oh, that makes sense uh, as to why he was riding a donkey <laughs> through yes. what looked like was, I don't know, Mexico in 1640. Yeah. Uh, now this movie didn't do particularly well at the box office. I'm not going to reveal any numbers. We'll talk about Todd. it because I've got that. Yeah. Yeah. But part of the reason why is because this movie was shot on the filming break between the second and third seasons of friends. And this oh. movie was released in theaters during the third season of friends on the 15th episode of that season. Now, if you're not a friends nerd, good Lord, this is very specific. It is very important. If you're not a nerd, you might not know why that's important. But that episode, the 15th episode of the third season, is the one where Ross and Rachel take a break. Arguably the most famous Friends episode of all time. Oh, yeah. And it was a appointment television. People stayed home to watch it. It broke records at the time. So literally, his other project probably impacted his own box office results because people stayed home to watch Friends on a Friday night. Because that's when Friends was on. Yeah. Instead of going to the movies. That's crazy. And those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's dig into a little bit more of the box office. What do you think the production budget was for Fool's Rush Inn in 1997? I have to recuse myself. Well, Mikey, do you want to take a gander at a guess as to what that budget budget. was? Yeah. I'm going to say 30 million. Mikey, that's not a terrible guess, but it was actually $20 million. But if you adjust for inflation... It'd be $38.3 million today. Now, this movie did premiere on Valentine's Day, February 14th, 1997. Smart. It was number five in the theater the weekend it came out. It was beat by Star Wars 
A New Hope, which was when they re-released them. It was oh, like the, the Lucas. Dig- that, was the first, the, oh, yeah. that was the digital. They added yes. the digital stuff to it for the first time. Yeah, mm. and that, that brought in $21 million that weekend. Anyway, number two was Absolute Power. Number three was Dante's Peak. Number four was Vegas Vacation. And number five was Fool's Rush In. What do you think Fool's Rush In made in its opening weekend? Ooh. I also have to recuse myself. Okay. Six. Six million. Okay. So it made $9.7 million okay. in its opening weekend. It was in the theaters for a total of 22 weeks, but it was never again in the top five and was only in the top 10 for its first three weeks. But what do you think it made in its box office run in 97? I also have to recuse myself, okay. unfortunately, as I was doing all my friends' research. $30 million. Mikey, that is such a good guess. It's technically $29.2 million, ah. but that's an amazing guess. But if you adjust for inflation, that's $56.1 million. It technically did make money, but if you factor in marketing, it probably just barely broke even, which is a shame. Because I think it's not a bad movie. Yeah. It's pretty wild, but I'm here for it. Yep. But that is your box office. We should get back into doing this. Do you think they're still together? Yeah, I do think so. I Yeah, I think they stay together for the kids. I don't know if they stay together after that, but at least for the kid. I think when he whispers in Kathy's ear before she gets on the helicopter, he says... You'll be my second wife. Oh, no. I don't think so. I think he does not like her at all. I don't think he likes her at all either. I I also think he gave up his work when he went back to get her, and then he's probably stayed closer. See, I think she moves to New York. I think they moved to New York, too. But I honestly think with some compromise and probably some couples counseling, they could probably make it work. They do have chemistry in the movie. I was here for it. They do have chemistry. They should have resolved it. But I I feel like him leaving was him being like, even with everything I want in my career, I am not happy. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a scene that she agrees to go to New York once the baby has happened. Right. And the movie ends with the baby happening. It's like, I think it ends with them, with the expectation of them going back to New York. But then they get married there. So I don't know. Who knows? I don't yeah. know. I mean, th- you're right. This movie doesn't wrap up things in a way that's... Yeah, no, Mikey, at the end of this movie, I did have questions about that. I just think that they think they implied it enough that they're going to end up in New York. Not that I care that much. I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't care. But I don't think... I don't know. They could make it, but it would take some work. You know, relationships always do. Mm-hmm. But Mikey, do you want to hit them with that romance scale? Yeah, romance scale is how romantic we found the film today. It's a scale of one to ten. Page. Um, I'm going to put this at like a two. I think a two is where it belongs. Yeah, it's good. There's a there is some chemistry. It's not super sexy or super romantic, though. Putting it at a five. Hell yeah, Mikey. Average romance. Yeah, I'll say that this is a Mikey movie. Because Mikey, right now, if you got Selma Hayek pregnant uh-huh. in a one night stand, that would be like winning the lottery for you. I mean, that's the whole premise of this film of like, I'd be like, yeah, I'll quit my job. Well, yeah, because Selma Hayek is like independently wealthy for sure. I mean, I think I think the whole problem here is you randomly knocked up a woman Selma Hayek caliber. Like you're just gonna need to go down that. You need to, you're gonna need to go as far down that rabbit hole as it allows. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Mikey, there definitely is a reason. At the end of that first night, he's like. We have to get married. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, I'll never do this good again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how I mean, like, good for him for making a couple of like witty jokes at the bathroom line and then taking home a 10. And then he's like, you abandoned me and you were the most attractive person I've ever 
touched and now you're pregnant with my baby yes let's get married yeah yeah that's why i think this is a perfect movie for you and it's also technically a christmas movie but that is your romance scale so this week I made you guys watch Fools Rush In. Mikey, is it your pick next week or is it Paige? No, it's Paige. It's me. It's me. Quit skipping me. It's a me, a Paige. Paige, what are you going to make us watch next week? Well, as you remember, I've been on a royal movie pick, just like Mikey has been picking Nicolas Cage. I've been picking royal movies. That's right. Uh, and so I'm going to do something a little bit different that still involves a queen. And I'm picking Bringing Down the House, starring Queen Latifah. I love how we're fitting this into royals, your royal theme. Love it. No notes. And I was very pleasantly surprised at the last Queen Latifah movie we did for this podcast. So like, here for it. Can't wait to see it. Haven't seen it, though. It's a wild movie. Hell yeah. There's a lot of different relationships going on. So I had to double check if it's technically a rom-com and it's classified as romantic slash screwball comedy. It's going to be a good time, I think. Here for it. That sounds amazing. So your homework for next week is to watch Queen Latifah in Bringing Down the House and then report back for that episode. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? That I think we're still being trolled by the stupid actress from that movie. Yeah, I'm looking for one. Well, Mikey, while you're looking for one, let me read one of our uh, Spotify comments. And this is one of the Spotify comments under the Princess Diaries 2, the Royal Engagement episode. And Liam said, I'm only 27 minutes in, and I can already tell this is an all-timer of an episode. Talking all about the hard truths of the fascist apologist Genovians. <laughs> Good night. I gotta be honest with you. There are a lot of comments that are like, Supporting what Mikey was talking about in Genovia Uh-huh Here for it So if you want me to read one of your comments Leave us a comment on Spotify Mikey, were you able to find a review while I was reading that comment? Yeah, 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 yeah Well, whose review you were going to read this week? Nice Land Well, what does Nice Land have to say? My favorite trio Oh, nice Love this thruple We'll listen to anything they put out Love them here and on HV They are amazing together Oh, why thank you Oh, love the detail they put in, and I love Todd's voice. Wow, hello. And oh, and the singing. Or or is that on HV? Question mark. Love you guys. Five stars. Well, Nieslin, thank you so much for uh enjoying what I uh and sometimes Paige does, I guess if you included the singing. Uh and not really calling out Mikey for anything, which is uh nice for once. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, Nislin, thank you so much for the awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your review, leave us a five-star review. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around, and she is on two other podcasts, Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So, guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On yes. Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn. It's, it. it's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character oh. limit and it's show, S H O, like Showtime. So, guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok. 
except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24, and I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd. Keep it oogie spooky. That's the other podcast. That's the wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it in. No. You complete us. To spookpletion. I think he whispered Hell Hydra to her at the <laughs> helicopter. <laughs> Bye. This is just an episode of Pull Out Game Week, nerds. <laughs> <laughs>